This is Rob Fnuff from the Counter Charge Podcast, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe Podcast, the only podcast that has the balls to cover all their games. podcast and that does not get easier to say so welcome to mup what's mup yeah there we go i'm sure we can get a pun in there somehow <laughs> probably <I'm> but <laughs> we said no we said we keep it family friendly so no dirty jokes hey no i've unticked that box after rob last week i had to uh, last month i had to untick that box so um yes welcome to the mantic universe podcast i'm chris and as ever i'm joined by my good friend clem Woo. Hey, Yay! there we go i don't know why i always cheer when that happens it, it feels like we're underway when that happens cool so first obviously we're going to go through what's on the menu for day today talk just uh, give us a run through of the show um, then we're going to go into our introduction. I'm going to give my apologies for last month, which I always have to give because I always make tons of mistakes. And then we go into Mantic News, as always. We're then going to talk about our warpath, so the firefight stuff. Then we're going to talk about Dead Zone. And inevitably, I'm going to get confused between the two. Then we're going to talk about the Magnetar City Dead Zone campaign, which wrapped up a little while ago. We're then going to talk about... Uh, uh, Panathor stuff, so obviously Kings of War, possibly Vanguard, and definitely some Armada. Yes, there we go. And then we're going to talk about our special event of the month, which was our gaming day in Berlin, which is all very exciting. And then our topic of the month. And our topic for this month is our tips for getting into Kings of War. And then we'll talk about what we'll, we might discuss next month and wrap up with any conclusions. Ah, good. Sounds good. <laughs> hey there, I'm Brian. And I'm Rick. From Dead Zone, the podcast. And you're listening to Mantic Universe Podcast. For everything Mantic under the sun. Who would have thought doing a podcast would require so much talking? Yeah. So, this month, there's no, there's no, you know, I mean, we, you know, after we've had Rob on, it's all, it's downhill from here all the way, isn't it, to be honest? You know, we've peaked too soon. But it's, yeah, this month, there's no flashy guests. It's just, just the two of us as, as usual. So I think it's a it's yeah. a good thing, right? Like um, I think we want to change the format a little bit. Like not always have guests. Sometimes just you and me, buddy. That's how it yeah, is. Yeah, just back to the classics. Yeah, just do an acoustic set. Yeah, that's I think that's what it's all about. To be honest, is just uh, just you and me t- chatting about toy soldiers, and uh, you know if we can do some exciting stuff from time to time, let's do it. But yeah, you you don't want to mess with the classics. So yeah, my apology for last month is uh, last month. Um, I was talking about my friend Dominic and my friend Dominic. So one of my friends is called Dominic and the other one is Matthias. So when you can't get your friends' names right, you know, <laughs> you're struggling. But yeah, so anyway, it doesn't really matter to anyone and I could have gotten away with that. But uh, no, I, I wanted to uh, to just clear that up. So apologies, Matthias. So uh, let's very quickly before Clem has time to comment on how stupid i am move on to our third segment mantic news yay 
so uh, yeah, no, there's been some exciting stuff going on. So there was the it's wrapped up already, but there was the crazy Bobby sale. So it's sort of up to fifty percent off some stuff. Uh, I thought that was a particularly good deal on the rules, actually. Just like uh, because we're in the EU, we pay we have to pay a twenty percent tax on top of the high postage fee for stuff from the UK now, thanks Brexit. Um, so I just picked up a couple of digital rule books. I got the Caesar Flame supplement for Amada, and I got the Magnetar supplement for Dreadball. Um, and you know, it's it's a really really big book actually. I'm not sure not sure how I'll much i'll actually use it but who knows maybe it's in the future so it's a really cool pdf um and there was also some good deals on some ogres so if anyone was starting to pick up a, an ogre army that was a really good opportunity but it's finished now so you know mm. what are you going to do well, it's nice um, to, to follow on the, on those sales like they i think they usually do it around uh, thanksgiving like black friday or whatever it is uh but it was a pretty pretty interesting selection um, I did not get anything because uh, rules, I had most of what I needed already. And ogres, I already have way too many mantic ogres. <laughs> but it's always cool to see uh, what they have. Just wanted to mention very quickly, uh, there's also now a um, big difference, I think, for everyone in the EU. Uh, mantic has finally managed to organize... I don't know, it's called like the DDP or whatever it is. Like, you know, shipping with customs uh, taken care of. And so now, if you order stuff on the Mantic website from the EU, you basically don't run into any issues. Like, it will be much faster because all the procedures are handled and uh, you don't get additional costs that you don't, you don't know what to expect, which was really a big, big issue, right? Like, uh, sometimes you pay, obviously, VAT on top, sometimes random custom fees, and it's very hard to predict how much it was. Now, shipping costs are slightly higher, if I remember correctly. But at least it's very transparent and you know exactly what to expect. So I think that's a big news also for everyone in the EU as well. Yeah, that's massive. Was there an email on that? I didn't hear anything about that. I think I saw it on Facebook and then I checked on the website. But uh, it's nice. like a couple Great of weeks news. ago or something like this. Yeah, it, it is pretty important. Fantastic. Oh, that's, that is really good for me personally, yeah. It's dangerous, <laughs> you mean. You mean dangerous, right? <laughs> yeah, dangerous. That's exactly it. Uh-oh. Fantastic. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was the sale, which is wrapped up already. Um, so they've, there's been more new... Um, uh, bleh, I can't talk. Um, there's been more EOD models, uh, which all look really cool. So hard plastics. There was a picture that's been teased um that someone on facebook the kings of war fanatics group seem to think might be hinting at a new starter set so that's the new empire of dust models standing next to the trident realm models and actually that's firstly that would be super cool as a trident realms player um but also what's quite interesting is i think in the empire of dust um army list there is like an undead naiad unit Right. Like a sand naiad or something. And I always thought that was quite a random thing. So maybe maybe that then makes a bit more sense to me then. Yeah, maybe there's something in the fluff. To be honest, I'm not the best mm. person to uh, discuss fluff. Um, I, You're not it so would be, fluffy. It would be interesting to see Trident Realm get some stuff. But do they need new plastics? Not really, do they? Uh, so you think that until you try and buy build the Mantic... Worm riders, so 
I bought some Mantic Worm Riders and they're metal. When they're finished, they're lovely. I gave up and just 3D printed some serpent type models and stuck Mantic Naiads to them. And I did that for a reason. Yeah, but so they are converting some metal models to resin, I think. And uh, maybe they could update a few of these. But, uh, I mean, it could be an interesting matchup, like Empire Dust and Trident Realm. Also, on the playstyle, there are two very interesting factions to uh, put against another. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and we will see a new player box, a uh, new starter set, I mean, for Kings of War, obviously, at some point. But, I don't know, I think we can uh, start taking bets on uh, which factions will be in there. Uh, not 100% sold on the Empire of Dust and Trident Realm. I mean, Empire of Dust, yes, makes sense because they they get a new range now. But uh, would they be facing Trident Realm? Maybe elves? Who knows, right? Like they also have some uh, elf model elf models from the League of Infamy uh, game. Yeah, what do you think of them, Clem? The the, the elves in there. So the new elves in in League of Infamy, they are pretty nice. I'm not exactly an elf person, and uh, the only elves that interest me are uh, like uh, the bad elves. So <laughs> naughty elves. Naughty elves, exactly. So I'm kind of biased against them, but uh, from a purely uh, you know technical perspective, like how good the models are, I think yeah, they're they're, they're just great. And uh, having um, hard plastic for those. Uh, would be pretty cool as well. I thought it was pretty shocking that it took Mantic so long to get Dracon Rider models when they were they seemed to be one of the most popular units in the game and Mantic weren't making models for them. I always thought that was a real shame. They've obviously gone down the route of you know coming up with something that nests within the existing elf style of the really really old elf models. Um Personally, I probably would have preferred if they just went, well, that's 10 years old, let's just do something new and something that really fits within 3rd edition because I think they're really trying to do something, I don't want to say unique, but but I think the if you look at the newer Kings of War armies that have come out, I think there's a definitely an aesthetic quality there. It looks reminds me of Warcraft 3 that I really enjoy. Right. And I'm not sure those elf models... I think they're perfectly fine, but I'm not sure they really speak to that theme. They're, they're Fair okay, enough. You know. Yeah, they're, they're maybe a bit uh, generic elves, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing if it's done well. And it is done well, in my opinion. Um, so, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they will do for the hard plastic for elves that will definitely come at some point, right? Like, uh, it is on the menu, I'm sure, uh, somewhere down the line. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with it, and also could be exciting if they manage to do um, like a kit that can also do maybe naughty elves at the same time. Who knows? Like maybe they can manage to do something smart uh, this way. So yeah, let's see. That's pretty. That would cool. be really cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, fantastic. And then yeah, and then just moving on to news. So Maison Labs have found their way into their own booster boxes. Previously, I think you had to buy Star Saga the board game. Right. And then augment that with a few GCPS or plague units. So I think that's really cool. It's I think one of the issues Mantic have had is is particularly with their website, it's not always been clear what you actually need to buy or what your options are. So if you remember a little while ago, if you're actually looking on the website, it's really not unless you know what you really know what you're doing, 
it's really not clear. You couldn't just go into, let's say, Maison Labs and it would list all of the models you could buy for Maison Labs. Or even, for example, things were split between Kings of War and Vanguard. So you'd have to go between right. the two. So if you didn't really know what you were doing, it was very confusing. Right. So I really think that's a big deal. You know, if you're trying to get new players in, I, I really, or, you know, if you're buying a present for somebody or something like this, I really think it's a big deal that they're making that as pain-free and obvious as possible. I think one of the the kind of random ideas I had was that, um, and I, I don't know how easy this is. In fact, it probably isn't very easy. But one of the ideas I had was with the actual Mantic army builder, you build your army. Let's say you build a 2,000 points Kings of War army as an example. I think it would be fantastic if there was a button that takes you straight to the store and it automatically adds in all the models that are in your army list into your bucket, you know, into your basket for you. Um, I know there are going to be some complications there because it's not always one unit is one box. Yeah. So it's not that simple. But I think that would be super cool. It would be an interesting feature. I think, the, as you just said, one main blocker is that some units you just can't buy separately from the bigger boxes. Um, but I think for Dead Zone... Uh, and firefight potentially as well, but that's on in particular. Uh, this might be easier to do because um, then you can most likely get away with a, like a faction starter and a booster and maybe a couple of uh, uh, special boxes on, on top of it, and uh, that could be that could be a good way to start. However, I, I have the impression that uh, we'll discuss it probably later also with the topic of the months. But the main blocker is more. Um, people will find like a mega army box that they like or like a faction starter that they like because it just looks cool, right? And they buy this and then they need to make a list with it. Or, okay, now that I've bought the the faction starter, what's my second purchase? Or like, um, okay, I bought the, boat, the, the starter and the booster. What else do I buy right after that to get to a full standard size uh, army list? So I don't know. I mean... Both options are always great. Um, I mean, they've already already made some progress for the website. Like they've experimented with the three sixty uh, pictures um, for two right? How is that amazing? They implemented your idea almost immediately, Clem. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, I'm the only <laughs> only person ever to have said that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm getting uh, um, like royalties for the idea, obviously. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> yeah, this is why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, so absolutely. it's. I think so. It's the Kraken, and I think a couple of other models, right? So only about six models for now, or something like this. But it's it's great. They're moving in the direction. They've proved they can do the technology. Right. So I've seen the Kraken and the like the big Australian guy, like the Spectra or something. Spectra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Remember, like yeah. it's by the way, it's a funny model because uh, I don't know who posted on on Fanatics. I think, like, hey, I didn't realize how large this model is like, actually is. I was like, 100%. What do you yeah, mean? 100%. And then, then you see a normal size model next to it, and it's like, oh my God, it's huge. And when you see the picture, it's like, oh, okay, it's a hero, right? You know, like it's a, like a standard exactly. size model. It's nope, it's, it's actually pretty large. So again, don't have the pictures to show it, then people don't realize it. So anyway. I think on the box, they have like a model comparison or something. Mantic were trying to show it in some way. Right. I bought two of them and I was, ex- and I think they were about, when I bought them about 35 euros each or something, I was shocked how big and cool they are. 
and they're super, super cool, super dynamic. And as you say, they are, you know, like, a, you, know, you know, not far off a giant kind of thing. They're, no, that's an exaggeration, but they're big. They're really big chunk of resin. Um, and hopefully now with this kind of technology, with the 360 views, Mantic are positioning themselves, you know, in a better light, you know, and their stuff in a better light. So yeah. I think that's fant- really fantastic. And um, I mean, particularly... Sorry, no, no, no. It. Sorry, sorry. I, I'm interrupting you. That's that's the first, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Go ahead, sorry. No, and, and just go back to when the competition are just so good at advertising their stuff and showing off their stuff. It's really nice to see Mantic making improvements in that regard. Yes, I agree. I think another element that I've noticed is uh, they've improved their game on the box art. Like if you look at the um, uh, firefight uh, strike box strike forces right like the starter army basically i think the pictures that come on those boxes and on the website are actually pretty good i i like they really show how good those models actually are and uh, how much stuff is in there and uh, i think those are a huge improvement compared to uh to previous boxes um I really like what they've done for those uh, those releases. So yeah, it 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 always felt to me with the second edition Dead Zone stuff that Mantic were almost desperate for you to buy it. Like, please buy our stuff. Whereas now it's the quality is kind of speaking for itself a bit more. Yeah, and funny enough, like some models didn't even change. Right, like it's just how you present them, and uh, reworking the rules that go along with those models. And I think that makes a big difference. Hundred percent. Fantastic. So I think that's pretty much it for the news, Clem, unless you've got anything else you want to add. Um, I don't... I don't remember. Wasn't there some Armada releases? No, that was last month already, right? Like the yeah, Varangar. they're still advertised, but yeah, the Varangar, we mentioned it right. last month. Varangar, right, right, that was last month. Night. Yeah, and um, otherwise for Firefight as well, this, uh, I'm waiting for my Corruption, like, you know, the big, uh, the big dude, big model. Is that the one holding the massive pipe? Yeah, maybe. It's like a big monster, a big scary monster. And uh, when you look at the model and you look at the profile, you're like, yep, I'm definitely taking one in my in my list. So um, I think it released early July, uh, but it's still not in stock at my local store. So that's uh, that's next on the menu for me. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. In that case, we'll move on to our Warpath Firefight. So, Clem, what do we have this month to say about Firefight? What did I do this month? Um, I assembled a bunch of Plague and primed them. Um, and I also started to think about GCPS lists. Because initially I thought my second army would be Marauders. Uh, and uh, somehow, somewhere along the way kind of changed my mind a little bit I'll, I'll go to Marauder probably as number 3 but I want to do GCPS next because uh, I think the aesthetic will be pretty cool, you know having the plague and the GCPS uh, fight it out um, especially if I if I want to use both of my armies you know like to lend one of them to a friend and do demo games or stuff like this I think it, it would look much better to have uh, plague and GCPS facing off um, it's also not exactly the type of list that I would usually play, like a shooty, um, 
volume of fire uh, type of list with GCPS, so that's an interesting thing to uh, to consider. But yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, and I think we both love the idea of because obviously the plague models they're kind of corrupted GCPS. So I think we we both love the idea of you know like a horde of troopers and a horde of plague going up against each other. That's just super exciting. Yeah, for me it's uh, like from my limited understanding of uh, what the the whole universe is about, like the whole Warpath universe is about. This is kind of the poster child uh, face off, right? Like the 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 GCPS uh, trying to contain an infection. And the plague, like basically, their the the rest of their own squad, but they're trying to get back to them and uh, eat them alive or like infect them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it, it makes for a cool uh, cool army face off, absolutely. And it, as well in terms of play style, I mean, I know with GCPS and plague, actually, you can go down lots of different routes. But I love the idea of you know a horde of zombies and a horde of cheap guys with la- laser rifles. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds super, super cool, super interesting. So, yep, that's uh, definitely next, uh, next on the list. Fantastic! And I had my second ever game of Firefight Clem. You'll be shocked to hear. <laughs> I've heard a little <laughs> bit about it. Yeah, yeah. So you, you had your first game. So wait, that was be- before the last spot already. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So I had my first game. So I've now played two games of Firefight. The first one was up somewhere in the beautiful countryside outside Cologne. Um, and yeah, we had a barbecue and uh, beautiful views over the uh, the river valley. And uh, I got completely destroyed by the plague. So uh, my forge fathers, we rocked up. Uh, there was some uh, smoke fired out by some mortars. We couldn't see very much. And then some zombies and horrible monsters came out of the smoke. There was, I think, um, to start with, uh, Manuel, he put two two or three of the Leaper guys into a mule and just ran it straight at me. Right. He he then charged around my ancestor with the Leapers. It was a hindered charge, but anyway, it was legal. And they completely, the Leapers completely whiffed their attacks. And I think they killed one of the... Um, master artificers, um, you know his his retinue, his you know right. like he's his his meat shield. So that actually went pretty terribly for for him. And I could use my brockers on Valkyries, like the motorcycles, motorcycles, to just shoot into them and kill the leapers. And then my iron ancestor just blew up the mule, um, pretty much one shotted it. So it turn one actually went quite well for me. But then the zombies emerged out of the smoke. I think by the end of the game, most of the the undead you know, zombie plague were dead, but I hadn't at all been able to get on any of the objectives. They just kept me completely pinned back. I tried to send out a few brockers to go and secure some points, uh, but it you know just anything I sent out just got killed by an aberration. Aberration? Yeah, there we go. I think I might have got that right first That's time right. the first time ever. So it was a pretty rough uh, rough ride. I did have, again, I did have my APC. I did try and move up the table, but it was just, you know, it was very a very one-sided game. Um, if it went to kill points, I, I, I think I still lost, but it was sort of okay. But because, of course, that didn't matter. It was just victory points. It was a real, you know, really one-sided fight. Mm. Um, and then Clem, I came up to Berlin last weekend, right? 
and, and played what happened? against Talk Plague again. Well, you, yeah. you, you kind of uh, murdered Oh, we played plague. a thousand points, a thousand points. Right. And I don't think we can remember the name of the scenario, but it was the one with the kind of H configuration. For the objective markers, yes, to score. So you score one VP in your area, two VPs in the center, and four VPs in your opponent's deployment area. Uh, So uh, in the end, a pretty dynamic uh, scenario. And also you score at the, the end of each round, which I think is pretty interesting because it really keeps things uh, super dynamic and and um, really pushes you to just go and get it. Like it rewards different playstyles as well, and so I think that's really interesting. Um, and you don't get no VPs for kill points. It was just purely on objectives, which I really like actually. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. It's um, uh, it's a pretty interesting scenario. I think we rolled that random for it, but. Uh, Oh, I think we rolled at random, didn't like it, and then you wanted to use your super cool objective markers. <laughs> yeah, so I'd spent about 35 euros on these little objective mats. So you can see exactly, so there's like a 14 millimeter circle in the middle, which is perfect for, obviously, for, for this game. And then there's three inches uh, around that in all directions. To um, So it's perfect to know who's scoring at point at any given time. It is, yeah. It so I insisted we use those. <laughs> yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool to have them uh, for the game. But yeah, I mean, I think you you really had a, a battle plan for this game, and uh, I did not really, or not so much, at least. I think I also underestimated the the broker. Like they are really scary when you manage to uh, really put them where they need to be. With the proper boost from the commanders and so on, they really just... They destroyed everything they touched, basically. They murdered their way up the table, didn't they? All the way into your back line. Right, absolutely. But then, by that point, they were pretty bloodied and bruised. And I think that was one of the crucial decisions, is they charged a mortar. But by that point, I think there were only about half of them left, weren't there? I think, crucially, there less was than half that, of them. Yeah, less, less than half, I think. Less than half, yeah. So they were taking a nerve check... They were unsupported, you know, they weren't inspired. They didn't quite manage to kill the, the mortar. I think, yeah, that's so. That that's one thing that happened, like, when I thought more about the game. Uh, by the end of turn three or something, like, you were clearly ahead because um, you, you had a good chance to score on my 4VP objective and you were defending your own 4VP objective quite well. In the center, it was kind of 50-50 also. Uh, and I think what happened is that you pushed your luck a little bit too much. Like, uh, instead of saying, okay, I am four points ahead, it's turn three, like it's turn four now, I just need to murder that one unit there and just uh, cruise till the end of the game and it'll be done. I think you pushed it a little bit more, trying to really get... Uh, t- complete victory and unfortunately then you just got enough wounds here and there to lose the unit that was actually scoring and then i uh yeah the situation kind of turned around but yeah by the end of turn three i think you 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 were clearly clearly on your way to win this game and i think yes but it was interesting how quickly it all went horribly wrong for me stuff really does die quick if you don't look after it doesn't it yeah and 
I think we went from a situation where you only had two units left that could score, so you could only ever score two two victory points per round. And then I killed the the Terraton, so you were only down to one unit. No, points. I had three units. I had three scoring units. Oh, you had three. Okay. And you killed the Terraton, yeah. and it was only two. But I think. Ah, right. Yeah, I think it's. Um, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I think also at some point the dice uh, turned around in my favor. A little bit, like it's always a, it helps definitely at some yeah. point. The but, poison uh, smoke yeah. on my, if you remember, the poison smoke from the mortar on my master artificer who was on a scoring point. Right. I think that's also one they, thing. Yeah, it was yeah. In, your, in your back line, so not entirely huge, but for sure, like the D four damage can be brutal, right? Like uh, you can completely yeah. erase uh, erase a unit that already has some damage. Um, exactly. So, so they took four wounds. So it was one of my big leaders, four wounds, and then he fluffed the runaway roll twice because obviously he's self-inspiring. But it was, um, yeah. So it was really a, a game of two halves, as they say. Um, but it was um, a very enjoyable game. Very, very, very fun. Had a great time. Also a pretty cool... Yeah, it was super nice. I, I also liked it. The, um, also a nice table. Like uh, We used some terrain that a guy from the Berlin Gaming Group uh, brought uh, for the for the day. Because it wasn't in a, in a gaming shop. So it's basically at my workplace. Uh, we, we can get the space. Oh, we'll come to this later, buddy. We've right, got a section, right. whole section for this. Ooh, but yeah, yeah sure. there's loads of overlap. Isn't no, there? but so for, I think it was also an enjoyable game because uh, most of the... Minis were painted. I think uh, we both had everything painted, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The, the one game I played before, I did not have everything painted because I lent some model for Dead Zone. But anyway, yeah, so... Yeah, still uh, super, super nice. It, I think there's still some room to, um, let's say, grow and understand a bit better how to really properly use uh, your army. I mean, for me, at least, for the Plague... Every game I realize some small detail. Oops, that does not work like this. Or, oh, I thought those guys could manage this and they actually cannot. Or, hey, this is slightly better than I thought. Uh, so obviously there's some uh, experience. Like, uh, I don't think we can claim uh, being experts yet with two games. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. and the, um, I mean, for example, my Iron Warriors, they're loads of points, but a big unit of 10 of them Particularly with the, with the using command points on them, they are horrible, aren't they? They just murder. I think they just wiped out a huge unit of zombies, didn't they? Off a, uh, ghouls, point. yeah, ghouls, yeah, you, ghouls, yeah, ghouls whole unit of ghouls, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the first game, I just didn't have the tools I needed to fight the plague. Right. And when I was activating models, you know, it was sort of like, oh god, what what am I supposed to do with this now? Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? So I did have a little think about it, and um, it was kind of in two ways I, th I think I needed to change it. One is just have a couple of really powerful units. So instead of having units of five brockers, I had a unit of ten brockers right. with, the, um, with the little robot thing, the minor robot thing, because that's yes. so useful, having that extra AP. Um, and just having that murder its way across the table is huge. And then just having one big unit of infantry who really can take a unit off if if you need to. 
That was huge. So it's a huge point sink, but it really, really can make a difference. And then just having those, if you remember, I had, I think they're called the Inferno Drill Laser. They're like a mining laser thing. Yes. I just had one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's only about 70 points, and that was really nasty for you. I nearly one-shotted a yeah. aberration, and you, you were basically forced into charging that, weren't you? Because you didn't want that to shoot you again. Yeah, yeah. We, with uh, enough range, it's, uh, it is qu- quite scary for, for my list. Like, I need to do something about it, and uh, I don't really have good options. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it is a good, uh, good thing. Also, the... One of your commanders uh, gives like double the dice or something like this, right? Like, uh, or yeah, it's also yeah, it's, weight of fire. I think two. it's Faringir overcomes. Yeah, so it's two 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 points, and yeah, it doubles shots for um, the rifles or pistols. That one is also pretty strong because you don't really expect, um, or at least I didn't expect the unit to have that volume uh, of attacks. And uh, that ma- that does make a difference, right? Like, um, yeah, because volume of attacks is not really a thing in firefights. Like when you think about it, um, you don't really kill stuff all the time. Like, uh, no one will be tabled by the end of turn two. It never ever happens, right? It's it's just impossible. And so yeah. when you see a unit that can very comfortably destroy almost anything it touches or shoots at, that's like, oh, that's that's quite something, right? Like, uh, it requires a bit of a combo, like uh, some some uh, common dice spent on it. But yeah, it it, it is uh, pretty strong. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think as well that I did I haven't used it at all. But one of the other command abilities gives something like frenzy two or something like that. Um, and I think it can be boosted. And I'm going off my very dodgy memory. Um, but there is, I think, one I could have been spending on the Brockers to kind of boost their attacks mm. and points in the game. I think that would have been really big too. Yeah. Um, so, for example, when I really needed to kill the Mortar, yeah, it was only the Mortar. But, um, you know, I could have, you know, buffed my dice a little bit and probably killed it had I, uh, had I thought to do so. So yep. there's definitely room for improvement not just with me playing better but just you know remembering stuff right <laughs> yeah i think it's uh you really have to learn about it. like i mean also the mistake of not having a commander's place properly because you're like oh inspiring exists but is it that important and then you realize well actually it does make a big difference and also you need to be in range to use the uh, command abilities as well 100 um, percent. so and we were I'm not sure if we mentioned it. Was we only played a thousand points game, but it feels at a thousand points. I really, really liked it. Yes, you you have to make difficult decisions on what you actually bring, but actually, I quite enjoy doing that. I think that's fun. You you know, you can't bring all the toys. Um, but um, it was quite late in the day on the Saturday we played, so I think by that point we were both a little bit frazzled anyway. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I have 11 units in my 1,000-point list, right? And you, I think you have something very similar, uh, like 10 or 11 units as well. Yeah. And yeah. so when you look at it from the big picture, if you increase the amount of points, most likely you'll buy maybe more expensive things or like maybe one of uh, instead of taking only five guys, you take 10 guys. Uh, but already with a thousand points, you do have a pretty decent army, and it's an interesting thing to play. Um, and it works perfectly on a four by four, by the way, 
which I think is also... It did. No, I thought it worked really nicely on 4x4. That It felt big enough. Like, you know, it didn't feel like things were cluttered. And, yep. you know, there was genuinely interesting decision, tactical decisions with moving around, which is what I always find the most interesting thing in these games, to be quite honest. And, mm. um, oh, Clem, the other question I was going to ask is, at a 1,000 points, how many commanders do you think you should take? One or two? I think at least... Um at least two, because um, from the now four games I played, is that right? Three or four games, so that's really nothing. Um, every single time you see inspiring it makes a big difference when you need it. Um, and also, it depends on the commanders, right? But uh, most of them, they will really make a big difference with the auras or the special ability that you can trigger and uh, by bringing you more um, power dice like common dice I never remember how they're called in Firefight I think it's common dice Um, because at least for me but I think it's it's the same for everyone but as a melee oriented army with the plague you really want to get first turn uh, like turn two and or three, you know when it's the core of the battle, and yeah. you and you want to make um, the deciding charge and like uh, annihilate one threat before you get shot down to pieces, and to do this you need to spend power to you know like uh, double activate once more than your opponents if you have the same number of drops. That felt crucial at times actually, Clem. I thought you did that really cleverly. Just going first and then... And did you notice, actually, at one point, I did late in turn... I think it was probably turn three, but anyway, never mind. I actually double activated to guarantee me the the first round next go to stop you from doing that again. Yeah, yeah. it's so powerful the turn before. Yeah. I, think, I think it really makes a big difference. And, um, like, many of my great memories with Vanguard really come from uh, the, the Power Dice mechanic. Uh, because there is really a longer term, like uh, at the round level, a longer term strategy of it's not just where you guys go and uh, what kind of fights they can they can do. It's also how do you manage your resource, um, and uh, it's not just like okay, I build my army and I know I will have ten power or have uh, that many command points and I can use those stratagems and I build my combo. And it's kind of predictable in a way. No, because it's uh, the, the command dice, you never know, will I get a good round or a bad round in terms of how much power I have? Every turn, you kind of have to adjust depending on this. And so I think it really keeps the game super interesting and uh, gives tons of options. So yeah, I think it's, it's really, really nice. There were a couple of moments where I really did think you swung the game in your favor by just being smart with your dice. Which and I think that's super interesting because it was a really, a really, really close fight. Uh, but there yeah. were just a couple of smart decisions you made that I thought just tipped the balance ever so slightly, but significantly in your favour. And as we were playing, I thought, "Oh, this is this is <laughs> this is a great game, and this is a lot of fun." I, I think you're absolutely right. Like uh, you, you really need to have this kind of understanding of what's going on. And uh, where to spend spend your power? Uh, maybe anticipate a bit on your movements, like um, uh, 
for next turn, if you think, okay, I I still have uh, both of my commanders or like all of my command dice. So next round, if I have at least six power, then I can do this, this, and this, and still activate first the round after. Or oh, I I don't want to activate uh, first. Like I give up on this, but instead I will boost my actions. Um, and then try to make more damage. So there is really a lot of interesting decisions that you need to make, and it goes further than just where do I move my guys and uh, do I roll my dice properly when I try to kill my enemies. And I think that really makes for an interesting game. 100%. And is there anything in your list you would change, Clem, next for next time? Um, I'm not too sure. Um... I would say, as as the opponent, I would say it seems well balanced. I think it's you've it, only got a thousand points, but I think yeah. you know you've got a decent amount of ghouls, you've got a decent amount of zombies, you've got and you've got a, a few of the really big scary things. So it seems like a balanced list to me. It's I think it works sort of well for what it's uh, trying to do, and it's really oriented toward melee, right? Like uh, the ghouls are equipped with the flamer, and there are tens of them, and the dog. So they really need to get to close range uh, for the flamer to work, and then actually get into a, into a fight. Um, and the aberration and the terraton, the two aberrations and terraton also they they really can punch faces wherever they go. I th- I think the list kind of struggles at long range because I I just have no shooting, nothing to. To do with it and also I played a, another game against Marauders and he had the, the big flyer just had nothing I was it. just going to say if they've got a flyer is there anything you can even do about it no I mean you just ignore it just ignore it yeah, yeah. just ignore yeah. it I mean, play the objective yeah ignore it kill uh, everything else uh, yeah oh yeah do you want to just quickly run us through because obviously you played you played a game against Marauders yeah. Before we were we played firefight, Do you want to just run us? Oh, oh, sorry. And before we move on to that, yeah. So I think in terms of my list, um, I really, really don't want to do it. But I think probably I would drop the um, master artificer because his ability doesn't really help my list particularly. I mean, he could repair the APC for two VPs, but I've only got black command dice, right, which are the least powerful. So I don't have command points to burn. I th- I think I rolled really luckily, though. I like, rolled super consistently throughout. Yes. I didn't have one <laughs> roll that was bad. So I was, I, you know, I think I can't take that for granted, right? That was lucky rolling. Yes. Um so I don't. I just don't. I don't see it as a as a useful thing to be able to heal the tank for two v for two command points. I agree. So yes. yeah. So I probably would take either another Brocker or, to be honest, I'd probably have a, a look at the other types of leaders. I love the model of the Master Artificer. That's the only thing. But you know, it's true that it, there's not so much he uh, brings to your list in a way. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's not he's not super expensive, but he doesn't synergize with the rest of the list. I mean, the Brockers, I think it's called Scrap Heap Challenge, which is a reference to a, like a nineteen nineties UK TV show called Scrap Heap Challenge, where um, that was super cool though. So that was like um, it was like eccentric engineers like you, Clem, who would like build a tank in their shed, you nice. know. Uh-huh. And then you know, and then they would you know drive the tank around or something. You know, it was like um, you know nerds build stuff uh it was cool anyway like anyway rambling. like it like it yeah you'd you'd love it um 
but um, yeah, so yeah, probably drop him, even though the model is super, super, super cool. I mean, a thousand points, you need to make decisions, uh, that's for sure. And um, it's true of everything in your list, that guy could probably go and be replaced by something else. I'm not sure exactly what you need. Uh, but it's it's worth thinking about uh, worth thinking about it a little bit. Yeah, um, and if I just need someone for inspiring, I'm better off with another Brocker Chief because obviously he can do his his scrap heap challenge. And if you remember, that allowed the Brockers to really go go go. So if they were running, they were running a really long way. I forget how far it was now. But I think it's, it's like uh, plus plus six or something. Yeah, something a long way. So they it lets them just really run up the table. It does make um, a big difference. But it was. It was super cool in the game when I think five of my brockers were in a building in the middle of the map. Right. And the aberration was just sort of smashing into it and just, <laughs> ah, and they hung in there. I think they survived a couple of attacks. I mean, obviously they were eaten in the end, but they, you know, they hung in there a little bit, didn't they? They survived for a while. Yes, yes. Uh, I uh, I was hoping to uh, eat them alive slightly sooner. But uh, yeah, I mean, the aberration are, are just, crazy crazy good they're not cheap i think they're 90 points or something they're not cheap nothing in the list is cheap though that's that's the yeah that's the challenge yeah not many command points but still i mean and everything's 90, expensive 90 points they really do a lot of damage um but yeah it's it's interesting it's a it's a cool uh, a cool build and um i think the forge fathers they also have tons of options right like you could build a list uh with a different angle so maybe that's also something you can play around with like i know you love your brokers so <laughs> i i think you'll uh, stick uh, stick with them for a while um but yeah but i've got love enough you know me clem I'll, you know i've still got a load of other models right you know? yeah, yeah yeah i love i do i just i love the style of the brokers um but you know you can even even with the forge fathers you think dwarves are slow, and you know they mostly are, but you, you they do have fast units too, so that it's a flexible army. But it, you can't get away from the fact that all of their units, I think, are good. Maybe yeah. not great, great. I mean, we've only played two games, so you know, take this with a pinch of salt. But um, you, yeah, you don't. They're not a trash army, right? You, you need yeah. to make sure. You know, ninety points for a squad of five guys with pistols and little hammers. You need to use them smartly and get maximize their potential. Otherwise, I think you're going to struggle. Yeah, there's no chaff. I mean, your Valkyries or whatever the bags are. Uh, they weren't meant to be chaff. You just killed them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? They they, they look tasty, terrifying. So. What was the special rule? Is it terrifying? Yes, terrifying. Yes, yes. That was flipping horrible. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, yeah. That was oof. But it's so thematic, and I love that about the plague is the rules just completely fit. and it, it just plays exactly how I expect it to. It's really great. But the ghouls are really nasty in combat as well. I think they've got two dice. Yes. The shooting guys. You'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you, you'd think, oh, they, those ones are the shooty guys. They have guns. It's like, nope, wait till they make it to combat. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they can fight in melee quite well as well. So they're... I don't remember. They're not super cheap. Uh... But uh, no, the interesting, interesting unit as well. Yeah. I like plague. That's uh, what can I say? I think they fit my play style as well. So that's, that's the nice. more I see of them, the more I like them. To be honest, 
Yeah, and and actually, I mean, they're not new models. I mean, I know there are a few new models, but I think yeah. everything you rocked uh, on Saturday that was all second edition. Yeah, I only stuff, have right? the old Desert. stuff. Yes, yes. So the aberrations, I think, didn't change. Then the Plague Lord. So basically, the big nasty guy. There, there is a new model for it, but I have the old model for now. Uh, the Leapers also, they made a new model that is pretty cool, but I have the old models as well. Uh, from the Mega Force and the. Uh, I think I have a Mega Force and a couple of starter armies or something like this. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there, there are newer models that look even better and um, uh, like it's resin and, and not rustic, so that's also valuable but uh, the old ones I think still look pretty good uh, I think they look really good and as I said the way you've painted them as well yeah I, I just I honestly it was just a joy to play against those guys Thanks. it was really I was really impressed I love the way the ghouls look yeah they, they, I think uh, they are interesting models I was a bit scared initially because you know there's a lot of uh, details in a way you know like pouches and like a torn uniform and 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 so on and, and belts and i thought okay i'm gonna spend three hours per model and never finish or i need to find a way to make it uh, much more efficiently and uh and then i will manage to go through the army and uh yeah in the end i have um four or five contrast colors on top of uh, uh white zenital over uh, black primer and uh, yeah, it's very quick and easy to make, and it, it looks fine. Uh, I am happy with the result of this army. And just in case anyone's listening that doesn't know what that is, so basically you prime the, your models black, so grey plastic, you prime the black with your airbrush, and then effectively what you're doing is you're holding your airbrush high above the model as if it was the sun, or you know a light source above the model, and you're just giving them a little squirt of a lighter colour. Yes. So that when you go to let that dry, and then when you go to paint the model, if you if you let's say you use contrast paints, that'll auto. If you just paint it as you would normally, it'll give the impression that the top of the model is lighter than the the dark recesses, which don't yes. have the the xenophon prime on them. Yeah, the trick is, is because yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the trick is uh, contrast paints are kind of translucent, and so yeah, they're almost like a gel, aren't they? Yeah, it's just they're they're, they're not opaque paints. I don't know what the the technical aspect of it uh, creates this effect, but the I think they're technically glaze or inks or closer to uh, glazes or inks, and so you basically keep the luminosity information from the initial step. That is pretty easy to do for like uh, 60 models at a time like in one evening you can do all your models and that's it and then you basically just have to add color to it uh, without doing several layers to um, you know do highlights or like edge highlights and, and, and crazy things like this which for a uh, mass army is, is just perfect um, sometimes I would also um, start with a dry brush so I do like you said so prime black then from above with a white primer then let it dry and then I would sometimes go back with a, a white dry brush uh, depending on how much uh, white uh, I added with the airbrush because you don't want the model to be too dark right so you might want to adjust when it's still black and white 
make sure that uh, you have definitions on every area that you want painted. Uh, some people also add like a black, um, uh, like none oil, you know, to uh, redefine some darker areas if you've done too much white. Uh, yeah, so you, you can really do, uh, do a lot on the initial stage of luminosity and then just add the color just once and it's, it's done. Interesting. That's a good tip. And the dry brushing of white, that's just to do, so it's, you're kind of doing the opposite of what you'd be doing with the non-oil, non right? It's just picking right. out and highlighting any areas that you might have missed with the yeah, so airbrush. I, once the model is dry, like after priming it black and doing the um, white from above, once that is dry, I look at it and try to, to think... Uh, is there s at least some white on every area sort of of the model or because sometimes you know if uh, i'm a bit careless like, i'm not a good painter either so i just go, go want to get through the models and uh, and have them ready for the next battle so sometimes i would forget some areas or not do enough of the the white and then uh because the contrast colors are, are transparent they're not opaque if you apply this on top of black, you see nothing, right? Or it's very, very dim. And so that's why I ended up sometimes adding a tiny bit of dry brushing white, just to make sure that the later stage with contrast will actually show something, if that makes sense. Um, it does, yeah, definitely. And I think it's a really interesting tip where we're sort of like, yeah, it's, it's a really good tip. It, it, so people can yeah. improve their process rather than just getting better at painting, right? Which is not something you can just decide to do overnight. I mean... You can improve your process. I'm not even sure what the difference between the two uh, is, right? Like, uh, I think pra getting some practice and finding techniques that you like and that you uh, can get stuff done with, I think that's, that is for me getting better at painting because what is my objective when I paint? Well, first to get a relaxing evening, right? Away from a computer screen and listening to a nice podcast or something like that. Um, and then maybe, uh, get painted models that I can use for games. And so Let's break the, break the fourth wall and hello, dear listener. Uh, <laughs> if you are painting a model while listening to this. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I think it is uh, that that is how I at least uh, try to get better is uh, like refining those techniques and finding what works for me and what makes me happy when I paint my models. Um, yeah, I think these are excellent tips because they're things people can just implement and you know improve. It's not just you know watching a master painter and go well you know just keep trying for the next twenty years and see how you go. Yeah, it doesn't take too much uh, agility with your hands or anything, right? Like, um, I'm pretty sure I can do a workshop with complete beginners, like people who have never painted a single model in their lives, and have them go through all those steps and just do them pretty much as well as I would do them and get a similar result, which isn't perfect. Like, it's not box art level painted models, but it is pretty well painted models and... Uh, more than enough for a game, so I think that's uh, it means it works. It does the job. So and crucially, it means people are getting stuff done, which is I think something particularly new people will struggle with procrastination and worrying. It's got to be as good as the box or something. Yeah. Whereas in reality, absolutely. I mean th that's uh, 
what might have sold you the models to begin with, right? Like you look at the box and you think, oh, the those look awesome. And then you open the box and you see, oops, <laughs> those are much smaller than I thought. Or, oops, I now I have to paint them. They will never ever look as good as on the box. Well, sure, they won't, but they can still look um, really nice and uh, be used in games. And I think that's uh, that's the important part to keep in mind. And so, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned something there about just doing a tutorial, and you you mentioned it very flippantly, but I think there's I think there's something there to be honest, because you know I mean just demoing how to, how people can use an airbrush, and actually at the week over the weekend, it just so happens your airbrush you'd cleaned it and you'd left it out with the little cleaning tool thing, which is like a little yeah. knife, and I've got one of those. And I really wasn't sure how I was supposed to be using it because obviously you don't want to be rubbing it against the airbrush. So I wasn't quite nervous to use that. So I literally just said, Clem, what am I supposed to do with this little knife thing? And you explained it to me really, really well. Just to be just little tips like this are just so useful. I also have no idea what I'm doing with the airbrush, just just so that we're clear. (laughs) (laughs) I just found a few uh, things that kind of work for me, but there's a lot more that I can learn. But yeah, the the other thing about um, like demoing paint uh, stuff, I think that's an important part of the hobby as well. And um, I've I've thought about this uh, in the past few weeks. Like we always focus on okay, let's do demo days, like uh, or uh, demo games, right? Uh, but I think demo hobby evenings or demo demo hobby sessions is also a thing that we probably should do. And I know some oh, people do that, exactly you know, right. like a um, hobby hangout or like club evening painting and so on. But uh, to get back to the discussion we've had last time that I'm done trying to convince people who play 40k to switch to firefight. Um, yeah. If I go and, and chat with um, complete newcomers to the hobby, at some point they need to have someone help them get started with painting. Otherwise, it's a daunting task and you don't know where to start. Whereas if I spend one evening with them, I'm pretty sure I can paint, help them paint uh, a full dead zone team in one evening, right? Like if it's already primed. Like one evening, you assemble the models, you prime them, and then another evening, you, you paint maybe a couple of them and then you apply to all of it, to the rest of it, or something like this. I'm sure there's, there's also something uh, that we as... Uh, kind of uh, hobby enthusiasts and um, evangelists uh, we probably should set up uh, to bring in more people. I think you're completely right, buddy, because, you know, we've been talking about this recently. As you say, we're sort of like, maybe we give up on trying to convince people that don't want to be convinced, you know, the 40K people. That's fair enough, you know. So, But then we've been talking about, well, getting new people in. But, of course, a massive impediment to that is we've been assuming these new people have the huge amount of knowledge that they just wouldn't have, right? Yeah. So you just spending a little, a few hours of your time, I think not only does it help them get it done and, and obviously make them feel a lot sort of closer and more involved, but you're also, I think also you're kind of breaking the curse, you know, breaking this sort of, um, you know, this, this, it's a new thing. Maybe it's a bit scary for new people. Yeah, you know? absolutely is. Yeah. And also I remember tons of things, uh, that I learned the hard way. If I had someone uh, sit next to me and show me, hey, instead of struggling to do this, like look at how I'm doing it, 
and maybe you take some good ideas from it maybe you don't like some aspect of it so you just take one part as an inspiration but at least you're not on your own and i think that also makes it a much more enjoyable experience so yeah i think that's a, that's an important side of the yeah trying to create a, a community or having people get more involved with the, with the games so we've gone completely off topic, but it doesn't Absolutely. matter. I think I think Clem, that's an incredibly important point, and that's I, I personally I think that's really really important. So um, in conclusion, then, yeah, oh yeah, and I was going to make a joke about how you know one enforcer is one can of spray primer. <laughs> what <laughs> one model per can? That makes sense. <laughs> you know, when you're starting out, like how do you work that out? Like oh, yeah, yeah, no, give it a whole can. It's probably enough. Yes, yes. Um, so, in conclusion, uh, Clem has an amazing idea there. And I know he's not completely invented that himself, but I, I think that's really important. And uh, we had a great time playing Firefight. Yes, and um, I might play very soon again, maybe this weekend again. Well, I'll see if I manage to, to fit that game in. And, uh, yeah, do you already have plans to play Firefight again, or...? Not, uh, not yet. Not I will. Sure. I definitely will. Um, I was sure we were going to enjoy it. I was absolutely certain we were. But I, even I was surprised just how much I enjoyed that and how much I found myself thinking about the game after we had it, mm. which usually is a sign of a good game to me. Right. That's a good yeah, point. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but I'll definitely be playing soon. Yeah, definitely playing soon. And Clem mentioned the beautiful terrain. It's I'm not going to get this right. I, there's a shout out at the end, I think. But yeah, after we saw this terrain, I was thinking, oh, I would also like this terrain. It's this kind of like beautiful sci-fi desert terrain. Really, really wonderful. Yeah, like post-apocalyptic stuff, uh, so to speak. Right. I think it's a game mat. Yeah. Game mat point EU. Game mat EU. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, they yeah, sell exactly these right. pre-painted resin terrain sets that are I think pretty cheap for what they are right like it's 130 or something the guy said I don't remember yeah and you get a full about, table I think we're shipping it was 140 something right. I think it was 12 euros we're shipping so it's coming from Poland when I saw it my brain immediately said I need that then I managed to resist that but it was it wasn't until I picked it up and I can't even remember why I picked it up and I went Oh my god, that's heavy. What is that? It can't be resin. And the guy was like, "Yeah, no, no, that's resin." Uh, and and yeah. then it's pre-painted for the for that money as well. Yeah, and uh, I think it's uh, yeah. it really works super well. And um, sure, you can make and it looks better. stunning, absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah, you can make more custom terrain and and everything. But here, for a very reasonable price, you just get a almost a full table. Right, you just need a few. Uh, scatter terrain pieces maybe on top of that and then you're done uh, I think it's a it's an amazing uh, amazing set, set absolutely yeah 100% 100% um, but yeah I, I had an absolutely wonderful time playing Final Fight thanks buddy <laughs> should we switch to I'm still not quite there with the rules as you know right that's that's how yeah you, you're gonna learn uh, while you play but uh, yeah should yeah. we go to Dead Zone then let's go to Dead Zone yes so yeah, so Clem, what did I do? I assembled some uh, some terrain for Dead Zone. In the end, I built really 
bulky buildings. And so with my two dead zone starters, I think I have enough for maybe one table without the... I mean, you have to add the scatter on top, obviously. And uh, I, th I think I'm happy with... Uh, the like the assembly it's maybe a bit denser like the buildings themselves they are denser than the usual uh, super gaming oriented uh dead zone buildings but uh, i like them like this i i need to put some paint on those ones but i need to find a, a good gray or something like this with the airbrush to not go crazy and uh, i also followed your advice and bought the stl files for uh, modular terrain for dead zone I uh, started to print some, but uh, not a full table yet. But yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm on a good way to be really set and uh, ready for for that zone. So yeah, and uh, the next uh, <laughs> the next thing that I've done for that zone, and I think was smart, is to ask you to build me a list. <laughs> because sure, I've read the rules like a couple of times. I know other tabletop games and so on. But in the end, I think building a list is very hard when you've played zero games. Um, and so I think that was a good uh, good trick to have you uh, write a list with my models for my Plague uh, for our first game. And I think in general that's uh, really something game designers should do, right? Uh, like provide a standard, get started, actual list. Like don't even ask, okay, what do you like or whatever. It's like... Those are the models you get in the starter, or those are the models you get in the mega army. This is a 500-point list, or this is a 150-point list for a dead zone. You have no idea what you're doing, but take take this list, play two games with it, and then you can do whatever you want. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think in the firefight starter box, they do have like recommended builds. But it doesn't give you a list as you're describing, Clem. I think that would be super, super useful. Um, and yeah, I can't remember what I gave you now, but it was a ba it was a balanced list. I think you had the was it, is it the sergeant who creates zombies yes. as your leader? Yeah, like the cheap guy. Yes, yes, it's the cheap leader that creates zombies. That was perfect. I had a bunch of zombies, like six or seven, maybe. Can't remember now. Uh, yeah, about six, I think. Yeah, uh, about six zombies. Um, then three shooty guys, so the ghouls. Uh, one aberration, so the the huge mastodons, and a leaper, and that might be it for the list. It was two hundred points, wasn't it? That might be it. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Be... There's also sorry. There's um, the plague, uh, not the plague lord, but. Um, uh, subject, subject 901 or something yeah exactly, yeah that's yes, it this yeah, yeah yeah I do I do try and like to put something like Plague or Maze on Labs I do try to get two scary melee guys in there because I think one you can kind of stay away from but two you can't you know yeah 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 if it's just one it's easy to set it aside and uh, kind of waste the points if it's two you just you have to take one and in the end usually take two in the face which you did <laughs> spoiler alert so Clem so yeah so we played 200 points I was again my muscular little tasty dwarves right and it was your and, and it actually it, to be honest it was quite the honour it was your first game of Dead Zone absolutely my first game ever oh. 
that was sorry that was just my watch my watch occasionally talks to me randomly technology very weird and that yeah (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, carry on, buddy. No, it was absolutely my my first ever uh, game of Dead Zone, uh, because what happened after release? We were kind of still in lockdown, I think, right? I mean, yes, I- I- yes, we were. immediately after release, and so locally, I think it was like November last year, something like that. It might be, yeah, I think. And so we didn't play it right away. We had the same thing for um, Armada locally in Berlin. Like several people super interested, like buying a starter, buying a couple of more boxes, starting to assemble, starting to paint, and then not playing right away. And then something else kind of comes on top of it and uh, somehow was uh, kind of put on uh, suspend mode. And so it was a good... uh, Good thing to finally have the the opportunity to uh, to play my first game uh, with the master uh, master demo because you, you've you've given like three or four demos that weekend, right? Uh, three, yeah, three demos, yeah, yeah, three demos, and uh, yeah, it just uh, it sounds it sounds a bit weird. I didn't set out to, but uh, it just kicks in, and I love teaching people the game as much as I actually get the rules wrong myself, but. Um, it's just, it's just great to you know get new people in. There was um, so yeah, shout out hi Marcus, uh, <laughs> uh, who was a really interesting guy who's half German, half Greek, and he was in you know he he used to live in Berlin, but basically he was visiting right, um, and he lives in Athens, so he's going back to Athens, and I forgot to mention to him, Marcus, have a look and see if you can become a Mantic Pathfinder. Uh, because he's trying to get people into... I think he's built a Nomada community in Athens. Right, I, cool. I think that's what he mentioned, because I play Kings of War on Unis- Universal Battle with him uh, regularly. And uh, yeah, I think he said in, uh, they, they have a huge Armada community, but Kings of War people are like, eh, well, why would I play Kings of War? And uh, the sci-fi stuff... I think uh, potentially still has a chance, but it's not quite there yet. So yeah, there's an uh, open open opportunity. Yeah, fantastic. And he it was. I, I think I have to mention this. I don't think Marcus would mind. He just as as we were, I was talking about something else. He just sort of looked up and said, "I am aware of your podcast," and then <laughs> changed the subject. That, that was a very German thing to say. Didn't say he liked it. Far from it. But. I think it sort of implies, in the German way, I think it implies. I don't know what the Greek side of him was saying, but I think the German implies, implies he likes it. Yeah, if we didn't say something bad about it, uh, then right, it means right. a, a neutral positive, I, I would say. Like the polite thing is to not say so. too I would much. Say so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he'd, he's read the rule book, so there were a couple of instances where he was sort of like, are you sure that's right? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. But I want to keep the game moving. Um, so yeah, no, no. But um, and actually, there, there were a couple of things I was just getting flat out wrong. Right. So for example, the companion rule doesn't stack with having a buddy in the cube. That's you know that was just something I was getting wrong. Um, but an, an important thing was there was an aberration or you know one of the scary plague models in a cube with three of my dwarves. And I was like, I need... To, oh, no, I think it was the, the big leader guy. You know, right, the big scary subject leader. 901, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to leave this cube and go on to the victory points to try and win the game. Um, but what I didn't remember was that if you have 
If there's two of your models in a cube, one of them can leave without them getting a reaction attack. Uh, and I didn't remember that, so this Plague Lord guy ended up on my activations eating three of my <laughs> dwarves. Like, okay, really let me go score. Again. Punk, nope. <laughs> okay, maybe me. Punk, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and there's me going, I think this is still worth doing. I think it's, I, if I can just get one of them out alive, I think it's worth it. Um, so, yeah, so I, as always, you know me, buddy, I got a ton of things wrong, but hopefully I was still fun to play with and learn with, and, you know, I got more right than I got wrong. Yeah. And there was a, a very nice guy from Hungary, um, and um, many apologies if somehow you're listening. I didn't didn't catch your name. Um, he sent a nice message on Discord, apparently, saying thanks for the demo game. But, of course, I'm... Yeah. Discord kind of freaks me out. It's like playing Tetris on hard mode and yeah. don't have time. Don't have time. Yeah, um, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but he was super nice. He was a uh, kill team player. Right. So, um, but I, th- I think he, I think he like, enjoyed himself. I, I certainly hope so. I think that's uh, one good aspect of having gaming days rather than tournaments. Uh, because the way we try to organize it, but we'll talk about it later, right? But... Uh, we don't really do tournaments locally in Berlin, like somehow the community, like the, even the hardcore players don't really like it. Like I'm almost the only one who really uh, wants to travel to tournaments and so on. Everyone else is like, oh, just give me a gaming day and maybe I'll play once or twice in the day. And what it does is also you can keep it very open. And that's what we did, like on the Discord server for the, the whole Berlin gaming group that I'm a, a part of say like, hey this weekend we will play several Mantic games if you're curious about it just drop by and have a look and have a chat and we'll have more miniatures and people anyway and so maybe you can borrow an army and do a quick game and that's that's what happened and so I think it's uh, that's one advantage of doing it this way compared to like I don't think anyone would go to a tournament to a game they never ever played without an army and try to see what it's about, right? It's much less common, yeah. I think. Yeah, that feels too much. Also, I'd feel like I was putting everybody else out. I'd feel like I was inconveniencing other people, having to teach me the game. Right. But you say you've never had tournaments, but and it hasn't actually happened yet. But it was discussed, though. Me, you, me, you, and a couple of other guys talking about. Well, maybe we could have a small firefight tournament in Berlin. Right. I think. We could organize it sort of like a tournament, but give it a bit a different twist, making a making it a bit more narrative, like uh, selecting interesting scenarios. And um, I think one aspect that I like from tournament is that it's a bit more structured. Like you know, your first game starts at nine thirty, and then you get lunch, and then you get, you play game number two and number three at a kind of a set time, and you sort of make sure that. In that day, or if it's a two-day event, you will get five games in, right? Um, so I think that part is interesting, and that's the part I would uh, take from tournaments. The ranking at the end, I don't really care so much. Um, I, I, I think we could just ignore that. Yeah. The other thing we could do, Clem, is on the Saturday, we could have three games of five fight and do, you know, not kind of a tournament format. I mean, we might not... Be right. so interested who's won what, but just three games at structured intervals. Right. And then Sunday could be, hey, people come along and we'll just play some random stuff. So we, maybe we could kind of do both in the weekend. That could that could that could work. Yeah, yeah. We need to think about it. But uh, 
I think we're onto something in refining a bit uh, what it means to organize a gaming event, like be it a tournament or a gaming day or or a meetup of some sort. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, interesting stuff ahead for sure. Yeah, definitely, really exciting. Cool. So I think we'll just touch on this very briefly because it was a little while ago now and we haven't actually done any prep for it but it was the Magnetar City Dead Zone campaign which wrapped up last month and I just wanted us just to flail around wildly looking at stats for the first time and going oh look Asterians won some games so um so this was, we talked about it previously, this was the global campaign that Mantic organised. There's a website. It was really cool. There was, um, you know, different districts of the city had different rules. It was just a really, really fun time and a really nice idea. It's, you know, Mantic have done it before, but it was really the first time I've been playing Mantic games when they did it. And I really enjoyed it. My, I, hopefully my friends really enjoyed it. Um, so the rats were just bursting out of everything on Magnetar. And I really liked the fact that it was so close and it was the rats, GCPS, and the enforcers who were all kind of vying to take home the win. And of course, in terms of the plot and what's actually happening, that made perfect sense, which I was pathetically grateful for that. I really enjoyed that the fact that actually it was very thematic. Um... So as as you can imagine, the Maison Labs and the Nameless, who are the the basically the the two factions that are hard to get, you have to get them in through Star Saga. Although, of, as we discussed earlier, Maison Labs have now just been released with boxes, which is great. They weren't played very much because they're just hard to do. But basically, the Rebs did really well. I think the Rebs won more games, so as a, had the highest percentage of games won, which which is really cool, and. Um, yeah, it was just a really fun time. Rats won. I think we're still waiting to hear what this really means because this is supposed to drive the story forward. Um, so we're kind of waiting to see what happens. We'll probably mention it next month, um, you know, what's happened with the story. But yeah, I was I was really impressed. It's a really fun time. I'm, I'm looking at the stats now and I don't think anything else is particularly worth mentioning um other than it was really really close yeah i mean for me it's more um question of uh when will uh, the next one be and um although i didn't participate in the in the mixed dead zone firefight uh, for the campaign i think it's an interesting idea you know to start off with a few uh, dead zone games and then do firefight games or the other way around like uh, in between two larger firefight games have a quick dead zone refresher uh, I think that's an interesting concept. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one as well. Definitely. Fantastic. Yeah, and, what were you, and sorry, Clem. So, obviously, you had your first game of Dead Zone. What were, what were your thoughts? So, it's an interesting system. Um, I like the... Uh, like, the D8 and the Exploding 8 is, is uh, super cool. I think it really keeps things open always and uh, I think that's really a big feature of the game I loved it also in in Vanguard so I'm, I'm glad to see it also um, in another environment um, my point of reference is uh, Necromunda obviously where uh, you also get uh, a pretty important aspect with uh, 3D although in, uh, in Necromunda you can also play just on a flat surface I think it's a bit bo- boring but uh, it can also happen 
Um, I think it is faster and clearer with the cube uh, mechanics. And uh, I don't think we've ever also discussed cover too much, right? Whereas in many games from Necromunda, I always feel like this, uh, because you can have heavy cover or light cover, like there are tons of uh, things that uh, stack on top of each other and uh, make the rules a little bit cumbersome in a way. And I didn't see that in Dead Zone. Um, I think, albeit, albeit, sorry, buddy, albeit, Marcus, there was, there was, I think I was shooting at you, and right. uh, you said, "Would that give me cover?" And I was like, "No, get out of here. That's I can't <laughs> see your knee. Who cares about your knee?" You Marcus wanted, said, you wanted to kill me, huh? I, I know. The that. new guy, yeah, the new guy who I just given a demo game said, "Well, actually, in the rule book, it says that that would be cover." <laughs> oh, well, what? What? Come on! But Marcus was right, and I was wrong. Yes. <laughs> I think it, yeah, it makes that easier. Um, I think for me, like the next thing I'm looking forward to with it is uh, really to build also my own teams and kind of build uh, more scenarios. But we've started to discuss like uh, off records uh, about making uh, narrative scenarios and, and cool stuff like this. And uh, I, I think there's potential also to tell cool stories. Another... Uh, I think it's more on a personal level. I thought I would manage to paint the terrain, and I didn't. And it's a bit sad to play on the like black building, like prime black building table. That kind of takes a little bit off of the immersion. Um, but from the pure uh, rule mechanics, yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting, super fun game. And uh, another thing that I like is. Um, Still, with my idea of um, keeping a couple of, of boxes at work, like where we had the event this weekend, and uh, do after work events, you know, with uh, complete newcomers, I'm pretty sure I can have a couple of uh, dead zone warbands and, um, and a small dead zone table, and uh, you know, grab a beer, grab a pizza in the evening, and uh, play uh, quick games uh, with complete newcomers to the hobby. And I think that's uh, pretty cool. I think you can pass it off as a board game, even though it's not. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's uh, close enough to a board game in a way that it's not too overwhelming for a newcomer, because there are sort of the good sides of miniature gaming without some of the bad side of miniature gaming, right? Like you don't mess around with the measuring tape and like, oh, you're out of range, or oh, I'm in range. Oh, there's line of sight. Oh, there's no line of sight. It, it much, it's much clearer, much simpler, and uh, I think it makes the game much more accessible to people who are not as dedicated yet to uh, tabletop gaming. And I think that's a huge, huge advantage. So yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I, I could really see. In fact, I'm. I really, really want to. You know, if we let's say we have another gaming day, right? Let's play a game of Dead Zone. Now let's play a game of Firefight. Now let's play a game of Dead Zone. You know, assuming we've got the space to leave both out, I could really see myself just wanting to play play one then the other, then you know, and mixing between the two. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's absolutely something we could do and um, like leave the tables uh, installed, like set up, and then uh, swap around. Yep, sounds yeah. pretty cool. Fantastic. Nice, um, and I think. It was your first game and you were just getting your head around it. But I think one of the things I said to you at the time was, 
when with Dead Zone, I think people that play Plague and lose, they tend to throw things forward without any particular purpose. So, you know, it's very easy for my magma rifles, which is like an it burns AP1 attack. It's very, very easy for them to kill a cube full of zombies. Right. And it did. For no purpose. And it did. But the way you move, you use the cover and the terrain much, you know, in a very clever way. So that you. you didn't give me these easy opportunities just to wipe out the zombies. Um, and that made a huge difference. And actually, you won very comfortably. I got a little bit of bad dice luck, I yeah. think. Yeah, one there was, two. Yes, yes, absolutely. But That's perfect put, for a demo. Know, That's what you want for a demo. I would say, you know, you put me in a position where, you know, I had to make difficult decisions and I had to, you know, you know, I had to roll the dice and there was a good chance I didn't get lucky and I didn't. Mm. And so, you know, I think it was really, rather than just blame, I'm not blaming the dice, I'm saying actually it was good play from you, if that makes any sense. It was an interesting game as well, like the strategically speaking, it was, uh, I think interesting things happened. So yeah, yeah no, I, I appreciate this part for sure. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And, um, and obviously your leader's ability. Okay, I just sniped that rocker over there now go and have a zombie in your back line yeah but that's it's cool but it's it's interesting to deal with because i had to deal with problems i didn't didn't know existed on my turn which caused me big problems i couldn't go after the things i needed to go after because i was having to deal with all this unexpected unpleasantness yeah it's also thematic in a way right like uh totally, I don't know, it 100%. felt uh, like a cool yeah. action like not just oh it's uh, gonna win me the game or anything it's also oh that's pretty fun right like it's uh it's totally. a cool thing to yeah, do in totally. the Yeah, totally. Yeah, so uh, in conclusion, I had an awful lot of fun. Cool, right. Should we talk about, um, should we move on to Panathor? I think so, yeah. We've uh, talked a lot about uh, sci-fi today, so yeah. That's a good sign, right? Yeah, it is. You think three hours of us just rambling on about models, <laughs> that's a long time, right? But, you know... <laughs> And it is, it is, but we can, uh, those we models, can really ramble on about models. Yeah, those models aren't gonna get painted on their own, so we need to occupy the sound, <laughs> the soundscape while you guys paint or something. No, <laughs> absolutely right, absolutely right. Yeah, thanks ever so much for joining us, dear listener. So, Clem, what have you done? As if that wasn't enough stuff for the month. So, what have you done in Panathor, Kings of War? What have you done this month? I think I've done strictly nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I to be fair, I traveled for work. Like uh, I was uh, uh, in Spain for about a week at some point. Uh, I tried to focus a bit more on firefight and dead zone in preparation of the weekend. Um, makes sense, buddy. So, makes sense. You don't yeah. need to come up with excuses. It's no, fine. I'm trying to it's... think. I'm trying to think about what I've done. Um, but I think it's basically nothing. Like my. What I have on on my to do list somehow for Kings of War is just uh, finishing some paint on my ogres, like to have a actually fully usable ogre army. Um, and I want to do some more ten millimeter, like half scale Kings of War stuff. Like I want to do a Varangor, maybe Basilian army uh, for half scale. So are we allowed yeah. to mention your secret 
plan for last weekend? What was my secret plan? To bring you into you, it? <laughs> yeah, into the 10 millimeter. Yeah, I think it's it's really great. Um, the um, tons of uh, cool models we can get for 10 millimeter, I think really make it uh, um, a completely different perspective today than five years ago or 10 years ago even. Yeah. Um, because it's so easy to buy super cool looking 10 millimeter models so for Warmaster mostly and use them for Kings of War. And the good thing is uh, your army is very easy to store and transport. And also the table you play it on is like two by three, right? Because you d divide everything by two. And so mm -hmm. two by three just basically fits on the living room table. Like you don't have to do anything special about it. And uh, yeah, it's super cute, super easy. I, uh, I really like it. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's uh, interesting. I still like 28 millimeters, don't get me wrong. Like uh, yeah. I'm not getting rid of those armies uh, at all, but it's a, it's a nice compliment, I think. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I wish, I wish Mantic made models for them because i feel like we could kind of endorse it more a little yeah. bit more but I'm not, I'm not sure what we should do about that but yeah there were some guys behind us weren't they on the table playing 10 millimeter and i must right. admit it looked great yeah yeah it looked Doing fantastic yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. i and think the guys yeah. obviously the guys were showing me their 2000 point boxes you know this is what i carried my army in and it's you know the size of a book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a cookie box, right? In the cookie box, you have your full army, and that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, it. everything's magnetized. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's also easier uh, to paint. I think I, I it, it's scary. It's like oh, they're so small that they will be hard to paint. No, it means there's less of them to paint, right? Like just slap three colors on it, and and it's done. Like you never ever paint boots or anything. It's just I don't know. Maybe it's just me, yeah, yeah. but uh, I think they're easier to get done as well. I think one of the guys' elves, he he put a lot of work. They looked beautiful. He put a lot of work into it. But I'd be with you. I'd right. Be no, that's true. About the boots. He is uh, he's a really good painter, and he makes uh, you know top notch uh, looking armies. But uh, uh, really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I've done something for Kings of War this month, Clem. Yeah. Really. What did you do? So I have built and painted a an entire two thousand three hundred points of Riftforged orcs there's there's one caveat to that is that my hordes of the hell strikers i think they're called hell strikers right the guys on manticores yes yes i've only got three models on those bases which sounds terrible but i tried putting a fourth one on and bear in mind they're supposed to be six for full model count I put the fourth one on and it just looked horribly cramped and weird and one yeah. was facing the wrong way. They're huge. So I've got yeah, the huge I put models. a lot of effort into my bases so they all look like fit, very dynamic and they're all taking off and stuff. And I, I love how they look, but I've only got three on the base. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. So it's only half the models I should have. But I've, I have seen what other people have done when they fit six on and it just, to me, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it's too much maybe no? I'm wrong but yeah it doesn't it's it's confusing it doesn't because actually even though it's a new Kings of War box and a new army that's another one of the ones where I look at it and it's the I don't like the paint style on the box and I wasn't even sure I'd like the models the models are amazing 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I've got three. I'll post some pictures on the, on the Facebook group, and people yep. can decide. Oh, cool. uh, I'm happy with how they look. I'm kind of at peace with how they look, and you know, if I could get more on there sensibly, I would have. I, I have more models to do it. It's just you know. I think that's just how how it is, right? Like uh, if they just don't fit on the base, there's no point in trying to cram there and there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. From yeah. Because the they're, they're very dynamic, and you know, I think yeah. sometimes the less is more. But but as I said, I have made an effort on the on the base itself, yeah. so it's not just a. Just a, a blank base kind of thing. So what do you yeah. what do you have in the army? Like you you got a mega army. What else? Did yes. You... So I started with the mega army. Two boxes of hell strikers. Oh, sorry, three boxes of hell strikers. Uh, one is the hero guy, right? You know the 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 lead, you know the um, leader on on the hell striker. And apologies, I will forget the names. So I've got off the top of my head, I've got. So I've got a horde of the infantry. Anyway, I'm going to forget what everything is. I've got the, <laughs> I've got the, I've got a hero, a mounted hero. I've got the, um, the iron boots uh, formation, which is like two, um, two regiments of the standard infantry, one regiment of the elite infantry, which is also right. inspiring. Yeah, I'll get it all wrong. I've got two, um, two. Sp- is it regiments the small ones of tundra wolves which mm-hmm. is kind of my chaff but they are very expensive chaff with very low nerves so i'm a bit, little bit worried about that but anyway yeah i did hold so uh, i've got the shrine as well which seems pretty mandatory to be honest um and i was kind of interested to do the the kind of the the mantic style paint scheme for them because other than the Hellstrikers, I don't, I don't like how they look on the box. I do actually quite like the style. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, reminds me a bit of Warcraft 3 or something like that. It's quite right. an iconic orc style. And I think it, firstly, I think it looks really cool. But I think as well, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I think it really fits where Mantic are going with, you know, the Kings of War style. It's a bit more cartoony, but to me in a cool way. I like it. Yeah, no, they're cool models. I, I like what they've done with yeah. them, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I got the shrine, and I hated the paint style on the box. I think it looks mm. really cheesy. It's got, got these kind of, like, orange flames. I Is just it, like, like, super gold, stuff. like, super bright gold and, and stuff, no? Yeah, that's mm. it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I decided to... I mean, I mean, really, I thought, I'm, I don't think I can pull that style off if I wanted to, to be quite honest. So I went totally the other way and painted it. I mean, I'm going to say non-metallic metals, but it's not really non-metallic metals because I'm not kind of imitating a metal style. I'm not trying to... Yeah, anyway, it's kind of like very, very dark and rusty. Yeah, they look super grim, but I think it's fitting, right? Like, they, they, they look serious business in a way, like... A I like, yeah, I that's like how skin. I wanted them to look, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of like legionaries. They're grim. You know, they're orcs that have been living in the rift. So they've been basically mm-hmm. fighting demons. The the time in the rift... Uh, sorry, in the rift. In the abyss, sorry. The time works differently. So basically they've just been fighting and dying and coming back and fighting and dying and just, you know, carving up demons for a really, really, really long time. And now they're back in Panathor. Right. So they are... But they are kind of... You know, they're, they're, they're not the mindless orcs. They are grim legionaries, professional soldiers, more like the marauders, I suppose, in, in Firefight right. and Dead Zone. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I, I, I think all that is super cool, right? Um, so, yeah, so I went for a really dark paint style. Um, and it does help that I can just bash that out really quickly. So, you know, get yeah. the, the wet palette, get some black on there, get some dark greys on there. Go. Yeah, and then and it yeah. just works out. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's a so yeah. So I, I have done I mean, basically. I mean, there are some there are some things I could do, like particularly around the mouths. The mouths are very basic, you know. Um, I, mm. I should go back in and paint some teeth theoretically, but whether I ever will do or not, I'm not so sure. But I'm happy with how they look. I'm happy with my basing. Um, I very deliberately 3D printed specific things to go on the bases, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy. I mean, especially I got it done in a month. You know, I mean that's uh, a part of it is cheating because it's your army number five, six, seven. I don't even know. Although a lot of those, I want to go back and kind of redo a lot of them because I, right. I pushed them out quick. No, but what I'm saying is, uh, yeah. like you, you, you get better at it, right? Like uh, you know yeah. a bit better. Yeah. Okay, this is how I want to approach this project, and uh, I guess if someone buys a mega army and a couple of boxes here and there. And they're like, oh my god, now I need to do something about it. And they might just do nothing for six months, right? Totally. Uh, whereas totally. in in a month, you you get them to like ready for battle, and uh, they look great and so on. But I think it comes a bit from experience and from making the right decisions on what you want to achieve with them and how you're going to approach it. Uh, so yeah, I no. Um, no praise for you at all. It's just uh, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. You you, yeah, ju- yeah, you exactly. just know exactly what you do, what you're doing. You know that's uh, uh, where where does this joke come from? Like uh, when you do something quite good and you're 20, everyone's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! You've done something quite good." And when you do something quite good, when you're 40, everyone's like, "Yeah, I mean, you're doing your job, dude." It's like yeah, you're, yeah, no, you're no old. One. yeah. Of course, you know how to do that, old man. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's like yeah. no one is impressed, but what by your achievements because it's like that's what expect is expected it's from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's so that's exactly yeah, my no, thing. I, yeah, I think you've touched on it, Clem, and that's kind of the reason for this topic of the month. Is just like I want to try and impart. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not the best modeler in the world or the best painter in the world. Far from it. But I feel like I've picked up all this kind of mostly from doing things the wrong way but i feel like surely that between the two of us we've got some tips for how someone should attack a kings of war army because right. it's such an intimidating thing so i think we'll save the rest of that conversation for the topic of the month right month yeah. section what do you think right. yeah absolutely cool um so what we can and and did you did you actually play with that army or not yet no, no, yeah, good point. So, um, do you remember last month Rob mentioned that a guy called Trent was moving to Germany from the US? Right. Yeah, I've even uh, heard the episode. Uh, like, the, I think he interviewed um, this guy also on, on uh, his podcast, right? I, I've heard that. Exactly interview. right. That exactly cool. right. Yeah. So I'm playing with him. Nice. On Sunday. Yeah. Oh, cool. So it's Thursday night as we record this, dear listener. Not that it matters, but it is just to give a bit of context. All right. And um, yeah, so no, he's he's coming over. I'm going to make a cu- uh, vegetable curry, I think. Nice. He, he doesn't mind spicy food. Um, so yeah, so my wife's um, going to, off to see her horse. So that's her hobby in the morning. So it'll only unfortunately be Sunday afternoon we can do it. But yeah, I'll, I'll feed him and then we'll play some Kings of War. Um, hopefully we can play two games. I'm not sure we'll have the time, but nice. We'll, that's the aim. Um, but his stuff. 
um, hasn't arrived from the US yet. So he's he's got armies. He's also played one game of Firefight, and he said he enjoyed it. Nice. So I think he played with Tyler, but I might be making that up. So it's it's yeah, quite cool. incredible, actually. That yeah, yeah. And yeah. so he's so, close um, to you, right? He lives in the same area, more or less. Well, well. So he relative. said to me, he, he. So this is the difference between Germans and Americans, right? Or right. one of them <laughs> is that he said, "Oh yeah, Wiesbaden. That's just down the road from me." Um, and what I thought he meant by that was the 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 main U.S. Army base in Germany is now in Wiesbaden, right? So I thought, oh, great. But he's li he is literally down the road. It's like seven kilometers away. No, he's an hour and a half away. <laughs> But yeah. you never catch a German person saying an hour and a half. Oh, that's just down the road from me. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the saying, right? Like, uh, how is it? Uh, in the US, 100 miles is uh, close. And in Europe, 100 years is uh, recent. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to reuse that. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, and completely. When you see an American documentary or something, they're going, "My God, this building is over a hundred years old." <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like uh, two minutes walk away. We've got an 800 year old castle. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. And it's now it's a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. yeah, fantastic. But yeah, no, and um, and Trent, I've not met him yet, but he seems like a super, super nice guy. Seems like a real gentleman. So I'm, absolutely, I'm very much looking forward to it. Nice. Um, so oh, and he's got Forge Fathers. Nice. So so I'll have to do my plague and do to to him what you did to me, Clem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So that's exciting. I, I'm not sure if he's finished the army, but anyway, when his stuff arrives, so that's right. really exciting. Um, and um, cool. so I've built him. A Northern Alliance army because that's a Mantic army I've got. Right. I obviously have no idea if it's any good. I've put two of the ice bolt throwers in there, so probably not. But I've given them a bit of everything, kind of thing. Um, yeah. I mean. And I mean, to be fair, I built my list too, so that you know, <laughs> we're both working with the same handicap. So, but I'm a bit worried. Yeah. By the way, he said, "Oh, I'm not really a good player," mm -hmm. and. You know, in such a way that leads me to believe he's going to absolutely destroy me. You know, you know there was that that one kid at school after the exams mm. who went, "Oh my god, it went so terribly!" And you right. know they, you know, you know they got like ninety eight percent or something. Uh -huh. Everyone knows, and there's this shroud. Mm -hmm. So, like, oh, yeah, I think Trent is going to absolutely destroy me. But this is my first game since Clash of Kings, which wow, is impressive, yeah, almost a year ago. Isn't that shocking? But Anyway, I'm correcting it now. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's pretty good. Yeah, but, you know, doing a 2,300-point army in a month, not bad. Not bad. I know not getting, getting any credit for it. Oh, and, um, yeah, so last episode, Clem, and I, I've thought about this subsequently, we were talking with Rob about, you know, what to do about Kings of War and how many armies there are. And, of course, we had no, no solution. You know, we drew up more questions than we had solutions for. Um I think we sort of implied they should get rid of Rordia because League of Rordia because there's Kingdoms of Men. I think they should ditch Kingdoms of Men because that's the generic <laughs> one. Use your generic human army. Rordia at least have lore and story now with the halfling civil war and that kind of thing. Right. So uh, just for the record, I think they should keep Rordia and ditch Kingdoms of Men. But I think you disagree. I mean, or you potentially disagree. I what I like with Kingdom of Men is. Uh, 
it keeps the door open to any historical miniature that you have, right? Any human. I think they should close that door. So maybe maybe time. you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, but in that case, they they sort of need to revisit how they organize and structure factions as well because they also have the Basilians. You could argue to some extent that Northern Alliance are also humans, although slightly different. Uh, I agree with you, Rodia kind of makes sense and has its special shtick in a way. Um, there's Order of the Green Lady and Brotherhood. They're also a very specific kind of humans, but it's still humans. And so, yeah, maybe they need to shake it a little bit and come up with uh, maybe less options that are a bit more specific. I, I think to some extent... That's I, it, Clem. Yeah. I think that's key. That's a key point because they're all pretty similar in you know okay maybe you could say green lady and i'm sure if you play these armies you'd say no no they're different but they all look on the table pretty similar yeah i think limiting them so you have to make meaningful choices between them would be interesting i mean i think one aspect of it or i almost said one issue uh, is uh people play any miniature they want right and i think it's great i think it's cool but I think the game might also benefit if you saw an army and you immediately realize, oh, this is a Rodia army from Mantic Kings of War. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's yes, not, yes. oh, it's random, um, like Vikings or whatever that do a Kings of War, uh, Kingdom of Men army. I think. Um, yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, I'm it's a really, double-edged sword. I'm really attached yeah. to and the And that's what I said. Do you remember I, I mentioned the... I wish there was a ter- there was terrain for Kings of War because right. I'm sick of seeing generic fantasy house right. on a table. I didn't understand it like, like that, but that's I, now I see what you meant. Like, um, you're not just uh, like assembling random houses uh, from medieval whatever. You're fighting, exactly. you're fighting in Basilia. Exactly. It's, now I understand that's exactly what it. That's exactly it. So you look at the table and you go, mm. "Oh, that's in Panathor." Yeah, that's exactly right, buddy. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't get that part uh, last time. We, we and then just imagine how cool part. that would be. I would, you know, if there was a Northern Ireland, uh, Northern, Northern Ireland, Northern Alliance box, <laughs> you know, with like you know buildings from Chill or something like this, and go, "Wow, cool! We're fighting in the north." No, I, now I I, yeah, I see Empire it. of Dust. Okay, now know? now I see it. I I, I think yeah, you you yeah. absolutely have a point because it's kind of like getting back to the discussion we had the last months. But uh, anything that kind of supports uh, more specific or yeah, grounds us in the world of Panic. Exactly, this not a, just this generic fantasy world two A or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. there's a story going on here. And uh, you're not just uh, throwing dice with generic humans against generic elves, uh, with your generic uh, medieval building, but you are part of Panithor. I think yes, there is some cool thing to do here. Yeah, now I, yeah. I see what you mean. Nice. So, Clem, now if you can, I need you to do some acting and pretend I haven't explained this to you already. Okay. I forget things, so it, I, I won't have to. <laughs> I forget things and I can't read, so I'll pretend I ignore the notes that I have in front of me. I'm just on page twelve. Foreigner. Page. I'm just a silly foreign man. I do not know what is happening. Who me? I don't sure. know what yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Sure. What is it? What is it? 
<laughs> so excellent. So um, yeah, so obviously the one thing we all agreed on uh, last month was that Kings of War needs more armies, right? That was the firm thing we definitely agreed on. Absolutely. Landed. Um, so I was kind of thinking, right, so I'm just going to read out from my notes here. So this is my uh, Panathor plot idea slash new army idea, right? So something happens and the rift gets closed, right? So no forces of the abyss are coming out of or going back into the abyss, right? Which is, you know, let's be honest, hell, right? So it gets closed, you know, presumably the goodies win a big victory, whatever, you know, maybe there's a, a you know, campaign and that's the ultimate thing that happens. So then there are going to be demons just roaming all around the place, right? Because they've got nowhere else to go. So they're all on Panathor. They'll, you know, presumably go everywhere, which way. Um, I was thinking what happens if, you know, the story moves forward or the timeline moves forward, say, 50 years, something like that, like quite a significant portion of time. And I was thinking, well, what would happen to those demons during that time? Would they just stay evil demons? I'm an evil demon and I'm doing evil demon stuff and, you know, pillaging across the land. Yeah, probably some of them would, but maybe some of them wouldn't. And you know so we often get in games we often get this idea of like corrupted humans who are now evil you know right. and i was thinking well maybe it'd be interesting to go the other way to sort of play with that stereotype and have demons that have somehow i mean i can't really imagine them necessarily farming but just having some kind of stake in the world of panathor because they've been living there a really long time you know they haven't had their right. evil overlord telling them what to do they've just been almost thinking for themselves or something like this and maybe even finding a little right. strand of humanity or something yeah or maybe um, to survive they need to cooperate exactly and right they need right. to insert themselves in the surrounding or uh, whatever needs to happen to keep them alive uh, without the rift so I don't know exactly how everything works, but, uh, you know, if they're no, disconnected... Me, me neither. That's a good point. I mean, also, me neither. Yeah. Might, and I didn't yeah. take the time of reading either. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn. Um, but yeah, so exactly. So are sort of all those questions. And then at some point, the rift reopens. And then, of course, you'd think these guys were, or these demons would be like, oh, brilliant. Okay, we can go back to being evil and having the overlord telling us what to do and you know, the devil effectively telling us what to do or whatever. Um, but maybe they're not actually that cool with that. You know, maybe they, you know, they've changed. You know, they've evolved. They've grown. And uh, I think, you know, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting concept. Then you need to figure out so you wouldn't necessarily use new models for them, right? Not necessarily, no. I, I was thinking you could just use existing models, right? I don't know what the pain. I don't know what the pain scheme would be, and that would be an interesting question. But that could um, be quite open. I mean, you need to also think about okay, what what makes them different? Like, uh, what kind of stick do you you give them as an uh, also from the gaming perspective? But I, I like it. I like the idea overall, like to uh, kind of um, give a twist on the usual uh, genre. Of uh, the good guys becoming bad guys, I think the bad guys becoming good guys is an interesting one. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Or if if not good guys, just confused guys. You know, right, confused, right. edging toward good because they've got a stake in Panathor now. Like, you know, they don't want it at all be burned down and everyone to be murdered in the valley next to them or whatever. Yeah, you know? I think it, it potentially gives it some depth and uh, I think that's uh, I think that's cool I think that's an interesting uh, interesting twist 
I mean, there's, uh, I don't know the full stuff around it, but uh, there's something like this with the undeads, right? Like with um, how, how Ophidians, I think. Ophidians, yeah. like with uh, Jarvis or something. You know, like you can already That's do him. that in theory, right? Like if you take this uh, unique character, then you're changed the alignment to good or neutral. I think good. Even. It's good, I think. No, it's good, I think. Yeah. And so in a way maybe they could already do something like this and maybe push it a little bit and ah oh, Clem you're just pointing out the fact it's this you know this new original idea I had is not actually that new and original because they've already done it with the undead faction but right. it is no but it could be kind of um, like there's a big twist in the in the whole world in a way like Ophidians uh, make a comeback and then demons uh, like confused good demons also kind of make an apparition uh, who knows? Uh, or and maybe yeah. you know, like twisting around a little bit these uh, established lines. I mean, we also discussed last time we we hate alignments, but uh, yeah, even looking a bit further than just alignments, I think there are cool things to do here. Definitely, buddy. Cool. And you know, it's all just fun, fun toy soldiers and story and yeah, narrative and yeah, it's all good stuff. I mean, um, cool. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Go for no, it. I think it it also goes kind of in what we were describing just before, right? Like anything that fleshes out Panithor and gives you more of an impression. Yes, I am playing a game in that universe within the boundaries of this story and like building on top of it and around it and everything. Anything that goes in this direction is a is really a positive for the game, um, and I think. Yes, there could be some changes or some improvements on the game mechanics itself, right? Uh, themselves, but it's pretty good where it is now. And so I yeah, think I what it's missing most, or what could really be pushed forward more, is this narrative and immersion kind of stuff. So I think this goes in the right direction. Long story short, completely agree with you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if if you go back to tinkering with the rules, yeah, you might make the game 5% better, but is that really significant? The game's already great in terms of rules and, and balance. Right. Well, you could but make I, it worse. I, I, and actually, I'm, I'm realising this is really important to me, that it's more important. When I look at a table and go, oh, it's, it's just a generic fantasy table, I want to feel like we're in Panathor. And I, actually, to this point, I haven't really felt like that. I'm playing a fantastic game of Toy Soldiers, Kings of War. It's brilliant. But I don't really feel grounded in Panathor. I've got the map up in my games room of Panathor. But right. I don't really, you know, I, I, I as you say, Clem, I, I really want us to build on this. And I think as a community, we're kind of part of that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it's still pretty recent, right? Like uh, Panathor had a different name like two and a half years ago or something like this, right? Like it's... When you think about it, it's relatively recent, and given how recent it is, there's already a few things that are pretty unique to it, and so I think it's just a question of keeping building on top of that and uh, making it matter also during the games. Um, and not, I'm not saying yeah, in it's crazy ways. those two things together, definitely, buddy. And I've got, I've read two of the novels. I've read Drowned Secrets and Steps to Deliverance. They're both pretty good fantasy novels um and i enjoyed them i haven't read any of the others i've got them on my kindle but you know i need to get around to reading them but i think you're of the mind that 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 those you know all that stuff has to have 
feel impactful on the game you're playing and I think that's a really important point you've kind of hinted at that previously right yep yeah no I think I think it does uh, make a big difference yep yeah 100% cool so should we move on to talking about Armada um, I think so yes mm-hmm. so what's uh, what's up for Armada um, I played my well not exactly I almost played my first game of Armada. By almost, um, I lent my Basilian's uh, sheeps to a friend who actually played the game and I was around watching because Marcus is uh, kind of an expert with the system and I thought, uh, hey, I have no idea about how this game plays. Can you make a list with my models? And so I read it the same uh, the same trick uh, from Dead Zone, and uh, I had him write a list with the models that I have. Uh, I think one hundred and fifty points list, so not too big, not good for uh, for starters. And then um, yeah, I have it uh, played, and that, so I was basically starting to um, put stuff away uh, on the side, and so that's why I didn't want to necessarily play the game myself. And also we were three people at that point. And so I, I kind of thought, okay, maybe I shouldn't be the one playing. Uh, it's better if I'm the one... You did one. a nice thing. You did a nice thing. Also, yeah. I just wanted to be done with everything else, like ready to just close the building and leave um, afterward. And uh, so I saw most of uh, Armada game. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's um, I think it... it it took a bit longer than I was expecting. I thought it was a bit more uh puff poof skirmishy. I have four, five, six ships maybe, and in one hour tops I'm done with it. And I think it, it lasted longer than this in the end. Which so, isn't necessarily so I, bad. You'd very, very kindly dropped me off at the train station and then gone back, basically, right? right. So I was gone. Right. So it was you, Marcus, who's who's the chap we mentioned earlier, who lives in Athens. He's right. he, oh, he really knows what he's doing with Amada. Was it was he playing with another person who was brand new to the system? Um, pretty much. I mean, almost brand new, like Vincent. Um, I think played a couple of games already uh, of Armada, but uh, is is um, in Berlin and in Berlin, at least from our group, uh, we don't really have a ton of experience with Armada yet. So that was also a good thing for him because he already knew the rules a little bit. So we thought it would be a bit more efficient, like they could actually go through the games almost normally because they both knew how it goes uh, and I could still learn okay okay, this is how you do all the game actions and oh now I understand what I read in the book by seeing it uh, being played and I can ask questions uh, while it's happening so I think it worked out pretty well uh, to do it this way Nice, and do, what did it take? Maybe two hours? Maybe not, I think an hour and a half I don't remember exactly, like I didn't Watch right. my, uh, my my check my my watch all the time, um, but it, it was playing. Uh, I think eight rounds. Mm-hmm. I think that's. Uh, I think that's normal. I think yeah, yeah. That, I think that's normal. Off the top of my head, which for me is almost like fifty percent more rounds that uh, I'm used to with other games. Um, well. All my stuff is normally dead by turn four, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so it is a kind of a different perspective on how you approach the game, but I like it. I mean, I really enjoy the, the fact that the, the game mechanics are different. Like, 
that you have constraints around uh, how you move uh, your gaming pieces. I think it makes for a very interesting, very refreshing gaming experience. Um, I'm not that much into ships and sailing yeah, and everything. You've said in that general. before. You're not a big ships guy. So that's not really what brings me into the game, but they look cool. I like the models. I mean, I I painted my Basilians now. I'm buying a bit more orcs to have two fleets ready. Um, I, I do I do like them. It's just um, I was a bit more initially on the reserve and like, oh, I, I want to see how it's going before I get too much into it. But uh, now that I've seen it, I think it's another game that is potentially also close to a board game. Like I, I when I saw this game happen and uh, with all the models on the table and everything, I thought, you know what, I'm pretty sure I can put all of this stuff in a nice board game box, like once everything is painted, everything is ready, and just put it on the shelf here and have a game like this as a, you know, again, after work, like, you know, grab a beer, grab a pizza with a colleague, or with someone from the, the same co-working space and uh, just play like you would play Risk or whatever board game people play. Um, and so I think that part also uh, really convinced me and I think it's pretty cool. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm in exactly the same spot as you. Is I, I'm really impressed by the game. I think it's good game design. I think it has its niche. You know, it's it does its own thing, but within the Mantic, you know, the wider Mantic uh, games. Um and yeah, so I've got Basilian fleet and a, an orc fleet. I've got more ships to paint. I've got the starter box done, but then I've got like the the fleets, the fleet boxes for both kind of right. thing. So I've got that right. to do. Um, funnily enough, my friend who um, plays with me, um, but he doesn't have the bandwidth to get, really get into the hobby, but he's very happy to just come over and play. So. We sometimes play Walking Dead. We sometimes play Kings of War. Right. His favorite game is um, is Armada. Nice. Yeah, because um, I think it can and be that's very the only one he seriously thought about. Yeah. Buying into himself, and he, you know, he has, you know, he got the got the website on his phone and had a look and thought maybe. And it's the fir- first time I've ever actually seen him do that. And and right. funnily enough, actually, I. He came to a tournament um, at top ta- tables in Cologne for Kings of War with mm-hmm. me, and just as a, as a, a bit of a surprise on the on the way back, I I had a Basilian starter, you know, one of the small starter armies. Right. Um, I had the box; I'd never touched it, and I thought, well, could I rather than it's just sitting in my basement, maybe I just give it to Dennis. Um, and he was super super grateful, and he he thought about it and thought, well. When am I ever going to get the time to do any of this? Right. So he very, very nicely said, do you know what, Chris, thank you so much for offering, but I'm going to pass because I just don't think I'm going to be able to... Yeah, make anything to, to useful, do it, right? right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, long story short, yeah. he. So he's, um, you know, more of a board gamer, I'd say, um, in general. And yep. he he's very impressed with Amada. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's... it's uh it's really true like it is very close to a board game but in the good sense of the term right like um i think it really does appeal to uh, this population of uh, people who are into board games so yeah i think that it really has uh, this going for itself and uh yeah so now i i don't know if there's um 
like inserts in the foam inserts for the the starter set box but uh, if there's none yet i need to uh, i need to make something i think i threw away my box so i won't make uh, foam inserts but uh, i need to hack something together and um yeah i think i really want to have everything in the box ready for uh, orcs versus basilia uh, armada game uh, i think uh, there's potential for it so. And to your point about just watching others play the game, I actually really like that. You know, like if it was a game of Firefight or Kings of War going on, I'd love to just sit and have a have a nice cold beverage and just enjoy yep. laughing at other people's misfortune. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's also interesting. Um, also, for games that uh, you're still discovering, it's good to watch other people play it because you can discover new tricks and new things. Um, yeah, so that's a really good, I think that's, that's a really good point. That part is uh, is interesting. Like, you know, when I look at the the rules for Armada, I can understand some of it, right? Like how it works and so on. I could get myself through it, but it's entirely different if I have a five minute discussion with Marcus, who has played dozens of games against dozens, like all sorts of fleets and everything. Like, he really has a completely different understanding of the game, and uh, yeah. very easily can tell you, okay, now this is what's going to happen, more or less, and uh, usually that's what you want to do with your list, and this this is super interesting. This is less so in- uh, interesting. Um, this kind of uh, understanding you only get with uh, more experience or with chatting with someone who does have this experience. So I think 100%. this is also a, a good part of it. Yeah. Fantastic, cool. And um, so we've already been talking about it already, but. Um, yeah, and let's talk a, a little bit. So we've got a special segment this month. So the gaming day in Berlin. Right. So Clem, do you want to just talk us through? So I got the train late uh, Friday after work and got to got to you about half past nine, I think. Something like this, yes. yes. Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, the, so the idea of the, the gaming day is um, we don't have that many gaming spaces in Berlin. That's kind of an issue, actually. And so a couple of years ago, we started to kind of uh, gather several groups like people who were playing Kings of War with the people who were playing AOS with people who were playing Kill Team and that's how we ended up with a pretty large Discord server now for Berlin so it's the International Tabletop Gaming Club Berlin uh, tabletopberlin.com website and so it's not yet an official club or anything so we don't have our own space it's more just a community of uh, people interested in tabletop and um, organizing games, um, you know, at uh, your place or at my place, uh, one table at a time. And that's great. But I also like... It's, it, sorry, Clem, it's fair to say probably the pandemic changed plans somewhat, didn't it? Right. I mean, during the pandemic, obviously, you don't want to create a completely new organization and rent some space that you cannot use. <laughs> so that that didn't make it easier, for sure. Um, but yeah, so there is, uh, there are like two um, gaming shops in Berlin where you can basically book a table and go play. But it's very limited in, in how many tables are even available there. Uh, and uh, one of the super famous ones is uh, Battlefield Berlin, and they have like five tables, I think, six tables maybe. But and that's six tables for every game system and everyone that wants yes, to play, right? Yes, in the city of Berlin, absolutely. And yeah. so that also means so they also open 
10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturdays. So, in a way, it kind of limits how much time you have, right? If you want to fit three games in there, you really have to be on top of your game. Um, and the other issue is uh, if you haven't booked the, the whole area to organize a small event three or four months in advance, then it's, it's no chance, right? Like, you, you don't even find space there. And so, yeah, we've been looking at other places where we could organize events, you know, like um, tournaments or rather gaming days like we do. And turns out my workplace, so um, it's basically a big co-working space where my company rents space. Uh, they said, well, sure, we don't use our, um, uh, basically all the facility during the weekend. And I have a 24-7 access to it anyway. And so if they are not organizing a special event on a Saturday, then I can set up gaming tables and play there. Um, and so that's that's what we've, we've done. And just to describe it, Clem, if I may. So it's basically an old DDR, so an old East German factory. Right. Yeah, it's- that's been turned into a super cool kind of work shared workshop. You've got right. huge industrial laser cutters there in one section. You've got loads of 3d printers so there's all creative people doing clever creative things working right. on their their own things in the week there's a huge kitchen and a big open area it's just the whole thing is a huge open area right i think there's two levels yeah. there's a there's a double decker bus just in the building which is in the area of the factory yeah it's right? the meeting rooms yeah i mean so the pitch for the this space is uh it's a co-working space but for people who do hardware products so if you build an electric bike or if you build some kind of machinery with your startup, then you don't just need offices. You actually need a space where you can have prototypes and, you know, like... A, and these machines cost probably tens of thousands of euros. Right, right. You probably don't want to buy one of these machines yourself right. if you can avoid it. A- absolutely. Particularly if you're tinkering on prototypes, right? Yeah, so there is some aspect of sharing the equipment like this, but it's also, it's very flexible, right? Like you can rent um, months per month some space like from 15 square meters to 150 square meters if you if you like. Um, and so it's a it's a pretty good place to be in when you, yeah, when you have a product like a startup that really requires some hardware and and stuff like this. So that's basically what I do for work. Like the company I work for uses this kind of uh, facility, and so I I can also get the space for free, which makes a big difference, right? Uh, on the weekend when it's not used. And so, yeah, that's that's the pretty cool. Sort experience. of, sort of free. I mean, effectively, you're paying for this, right? In a monthly service. I mean, your company pays on your behalf, but of course, effectively, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. no, no. What, what I'm saying for free is like I I do have a paid for membership, and I yeah. have to be there and discuss it every time. It's more if they don't organize an event, I can say, hey, that weekend I'll bring some friends and we'll play games. And like, okay, cool. Just don't. Don't ruin the place, like leave it clean when you leave. And and it's fine. Like I, I don't need to give them, I don't like 150 euros just for renting the space for Saturday afternoon or something like this. 
So yeah, what I'm trying to hint at, dear listener, is don't just turn up randomly to a co-working space, <laughs> no matter how cool and hipster it is, and expect them just to be cool. I mean, they might be. Who well, knows, right? They might not be. I mean, if you have a business case around it, like uh, you come in and you bring everything ready for a cool after event, um, after work event, and something like this, and you. You have you have enough value. You have enough paid members who register for your events. Then you are different kind of entertainers, right? Like they do this kind of social event all the time, and so I'm I'm pretty sure there is uh, some possibility to to yeah do gaming events like on a Thursday afternoon, Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening or whatever uh, to completely uh, yeah new audiences like this because. Obviously, of all these uh, like tech uh, people and maker people, a lot of them might like the um, creative aspect of our hobby and the cool, okay, playing a game like a video game or like, oh, role-playing games, that's nice. I've heard about it. Uh, and okay, I, I can try it for one evening and have a good time and that's it, right? And then you show it to 12 people and maybe one or two actually really like it. And that's how you grow your your club, I think. Anyway, I think that's really anyway. Cool. no, no, and again, we're getting away from that. Just trying to convince 40k players, come on, this is a better game. Firefight is a much better game than 40k. You know, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, really smart, Clem, and it, you know, it all dovetails beautifully. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, uh, yeah. So, and also, I would just add, I know it's we're not doing a podcast on this, but um, yeah, it was my first time in Berlin. I had an absolutely amazing weekend. Thank you so much, Clem, for being such an amazing host. And Thanks obviously chatting to your, to your lovely wife was as delightful as always. And uh, I would just say the food in Berlin is excellent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people talk about it a lot, but the, the standouts for me, and I won't go on and on about this because we've actually got a lot to cover still. The, <laughs> the, the Vietnamese food we had Friday night, that was amazing. Yeah, really Vietnamese food, that was excellent. And your homemade kimchi was brilliant. <laughs> because I've had kimchi before and not enjoyed it I didn't want to mention that to you <laughs> but your kimchi I had about six portions as you saw so yes. uh, as you're well aware I really enjoyed it thanks mm. thanks I, I'm glad you liked it but uh, yeah I mean yep. food is an important part of uh, social events like, I mean I, at least I do like food quite a lot and I know you do so that's one uh, one point of friendship like uh, we can enjoy good food and good games absolutely 100% 100% yeah. uh, but yeah thank you again thanks buddy that was super fun to you magical weekend yeah it was fantastic yeah fantastic right so let's anything else to say about the gaming day not much I mean I think the next question is when is the next one right like uh, we've hinted a little bit uh, to this so obviously the organization of those events kind of takes on a lot of energy on my side because we have to move mats and terrains every time and so on. So I don't want to do them too frequently. Um, I was going to say, actually, buddy, I was shocked Saturday morning when we were just loading stuff in the car. And, you know, I was surprised how much work that was. And, and I, you know, you did most of it. Well, it's also because I'm not organized so well, right? I'm sure people who organize tournaments all the time they have great storage boxes and they know exactly where their stuff is 
and they know right. boom 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 I get four boxes I have everything to equip 16 tables for Kings of War and I'm like right. oh I'm juggling with five different boxes I'm one box short and I, I get like a laundry basket to transport additional stuff and it's a mess I thought that was a nice touch right. I thought that was but classy th- but that's 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 what happens yeah. when you you, you yeah. lack the experience around this so obviously there is some improvements um, that could happen in that department but still I think um, even if everything was completely well organized on that front I still have to be there like the first person to open the door and the last person to close the door so I don't want to do this every other weekend or, or something like this and so I think the next one will be in a couple of months Maybe a bit more because in a couple of months it's September. September is a tough month for everyone. Um, but yeah, I think maybe late September, early October, we'll have another uh, big gaming day like this. And uh, yeah, maybe a firefight tournament or like a narrative firefight dead zone sort of thing. I'm not sure. We need try, to discuss it. Try, it. try to avoid the weekend of October the 8th and 9th if you can. Because I'm not available. Right. I'll I'll look into it and circulate the dates anyway. Yeah. Uh, on the Discord and uh, and stuff like this. That's the other thing, right? Like initially, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just uh, publish about it on uh, on T three. You know, so so um, tabletop tournaments, um, the big website for Germany and the UK. I think as well, it's used quite a lot in the UK. Not sure. Uh, I think it. I think it has the ability to be. I don't know how popular it is. I'm not sure. But uh, so at least I know it, it is popular in Germany, uh, and you know, like invite our yeah. friends from Hamburg, um, our friends from Köln, um, to come and play. And I thought, let's keep it small to begin with. Like I don't want to have too many people, too many tables. Like it's more than I can handle. But slowly, I want to kind of grow this uh, capacity, and uh, yeah, just organize cool events, and uh, maybe some people will want to travel for them. I don't expect people to travel from very far. I mean, you're probably the one that will travel the the, the furthest. But... Yeah, but I think if people have the experience I had, <laughs> I think they will travel very far it's, because it was amazing. It's going to be pretty busy on my couch then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. quite possibly. Yeah. That aside, sleeping arrangements aside, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. we can offer that on on yeah, on the website. Yeah. Everyone can sleep at Glenn's flat. Everything's fine. Right, right. Cool. Tents in the garden and that's it. Anyway, so yeah, next events I think you uh, I'm looking forward to um, kind of craft custom scenarios and cool uh, you know, narrative missions uh, for it. And try to yeah refine what we what we can do for a gaming event that isn't just a completely a casual gaming day like we've been doing, not a, a full tournament. Kind of taking the best out of each side and create a really awesome weekend experience. So that's uh, and it. That's feels quite unique as well. Anyway, we've got forty five minutes left. And I, I want to actually, if we can, talk about the scenarios, but we've got a ton of stuff left to cover. So let's um, let's keep things moving. Let's go for uh, it. So let's move on, Clem, if, if you're okay. Let's move on to the topic of the month. Yay! Uh, which is our tips for getting into Kings of War. So I think the challenge with Kings of War is it's a heck of a lot of mod- models. It's a big hobby commitment. The game is super fun, super easy to learn. But the problem is getting 
new players in with that hurdle of like this is a lot of models to paint right I so uh, a few I, other issues too I kind of want to yeah. disagree so yes and no I think on paper that's what it looks like but yeah. I think people ah uh, yeah but I'm I'm talking as a new person absolutely looking at Kings of War no, no, from the but, outside okay right? so from the outside you're like hey do I want to play Dead Zone and I paint seven models I don't want to yep. play Kings of War and I have 150 goblins to paint. Right? And and oh, it. and it's how much money will I have to spend on an army if there's 10 times the amount of models? Like, I don't have that much time. I don't have that much money. And, so, Actually, and that's something we don't talk enough about, probably, is, yeah, that's obviously money is a factor, right? But if you look into it, actually, it's not that much more expensive. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure... Um, some other games with much less models are immensely more expensive. So yes. it's not just how many models you need to put on the table. It's you'll buy a mega army, uh, um, you'll you'll buy a couple of boxes. So, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Clem. So anyway. you brought us on beautifully. That's a beautiful segue into our first point. So yeah. so let's say you're building. So we're talking about you want to play Kings of War and we're assuming you, you want to do it with Mantic models, right? Because you could 3D print stuff if you really wanted. You could get, you know, an old Warhammer Fantasy army on eBay that's, that is, you know, you strip down and repaint. There's loads of different ways you could do it. But if you're doing a Mantic army, I would say almost always start with the Mega Army box because they're really good value, right? You get a lot of stuff in them, yeah. one or two of those. It's a good it's a good selection of uh, units you will need at some point anyway. Uh, yeah. And so it is an amazing deal. So that's that's a no-brainer. Uh, yeah, you like uh, this this army, obviously just get the Mega Army for it, uh, Mega Army box, and, and that's the starting point, obviously. And yes. my personal opinion is I would say... Abyssal Dwarfs or newer, I would probably say, if it were me. I would probably stay away from the older stuff, but that's a personal preference. Mm, yes and no, because I love Forces of the Abyss, and I think the Forces of the Abyss, the Forces of the Abyss range is great, and it is Yeah, older. that's true. Yeah, yeah, your army looks great. Yeah, that's fair. Were they, were they relatively easy to build? Were they okay to build? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, okay, the, right, well... Uh, I mean the hard plastic. The hard, no, I mean you know you're right. You're right. Um, the newer stuff is typically nicer. In general, yes. In general, yeah. In general, with some exceptions. Although, and in fairness, the undead range, for example, is is old but still looks good. That is true. Yes. 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 Um, the one thing I'd say to that point, though, and this is, this is something that occurred to me last week, I think. So I wish that Mantic, because I think the Mega Army boxes on on the website if you buy it direct from mantic i think it's about 140 euros you can get that cheaper if you go through third parties but i think they're right. about 140 euros now yeah, i think i right. wish now for the new models i think that's a good deal but if if i were to buy for example the elf mega army box for 140 euros that doesn't seem like such great value. So I do wish Mantic yeah. kind of have had a where you know maybe if the Elf Army was ninety euros maybe, I don't know. But I feel I kind of feel like it's uh, I feel like there's a tearing there with what's you know what's kind of what's that good value. But this maybe. again, it's all personal. Maybe I mean I think for me it's um, 
it's about the experience, right? Like, uh, what do you get for that money? Like, uh, how fun are the models to assemble and then to paint? How close are you to your first 1,000-point list? Um, I think this is, this is the more important part for me. Obviously, yeah, if it's old models and uh, for whatever reason you don't like the style because they look dated to you or whatever, then this is bad. But I would just argue then this is not the army you should select. And that's it. You see right. what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. I see what, you, see what you mean. So there's a few different things that come into play, right, with making decision. I still think, by far and away, the most important one is aesthetic quality. Right. What do you think looks cool, right? Now, it might be complicated by the fact that uh, maybe there's three armies you think look really cool. I'd, I would almost always go with one of the ones you think looks cool rather than worrying about rules. But if you're someone who's nervous about batch painting or nervous about painting in general, maybe you think ogres look cool and goblins look cool. Well, in that case, I probably would go with the ogres yep. because the, not only do you think they look cool, but also they'll be a much, um, uh, a much easier hobby commitment probably, right? It's not biting off so much potentially yes it would look a bit less scary and then again and it's just playing devil's advocate here but uh i'm pretty sure you can spend 10 times more effort on an ogre than on a goblin and in the end have much more work to paint your ogre army than a goblin army but it's true that it requires a certain skill maybe to to turn through 150 goblins compared to how many ogres will you have in a 2,000 points ogre list? 50 maximum, right? Max. So, yeah, yeah in, in, that, uh, in that area, it's true uh, finding something that you like the look of, but also uh, for which you can have a strategy in painting or like you see yourself uh, having fun painting them. Uh, it's true. I think it's, a, it's, an, important, uh, it's an important point. Um, I think it might also make sense to simply discuss it with your uh, local players as well. I mean, there are different scenarios. Like, if you're on your own, like, you know, no one else around you play Kings of War, then you have another question in, in front of you, right? Like, uh, what am I going to do with my armies? Or maybe you will need to build two armies to even get started. And at that point, you probably would buy one of the two-player starter boxes. Right. And you're getting the rules in there and you're getting an unbelievably good deal. Absolutely. It's only going to give you a taste of Kings of War with the units you get for the two different forces. But we were looking at them yesterday, Clem, I think, and it was like, was it somewhere in Spain that was doing the starter box, what, 71 euros? Yes. Uh, there's, uh, I think Goblin Trader right now is having a sales and there's tons of uh, Mintic stuff with 25% off or something like this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's but an even at deal if you need two small yeah. forces to start with. Even at regular price, uh, those starter sets are amazing value, I think. If you like one or both Great. of the armies, just just go and get them. Like, I have two or three of uh, the, the starters and like I can't recommend them enough. But anyway, my point was... Um, if you already have like a, even a small gaming group locally, it might make sense to have a chat with other players. Like, oh, what what armies are you playing? Uh, I was thinking of this army. What do you think on the play style? Uh, maybe you could you know proxy some stuff and test it out quickly to confirm that you actually like this style and so on. Uh, so I think making that decision not just on your own, not just for yourself, but also uh, coordinated in a way with your gaming group might make sense. Uh, and if there is no gaming group, like no one else is playing Kings of War around you, 
then I, definitely you need to think about both sides of the equations, like having a second small force as well, so that you can try to grab someone uh, near you and convince them to play. And I would just add to that, Clem, to your point, is if you have a local community where you are, even if it's just a couple of players, just go down and observe a game because you'll probably, you know, maybe you like the idea of Empire of Dust, but then maybe you find Surge confusing or, you know, maybe you can just learn a little bit and get a feel for the way the different armies work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that's always an interesting thing to uh, to observe and uh, gain some insights, like in person. Uh, I think that's, a, that's a, an important aspect of it. And also... I think a lot of people make gaming decisions uh, by how many people actually play them, like how easy it will be to find opponents to play it. I mean, maybe you and me are a bit different in that aspect. Like, if there's a game that I like, then I'm not afraid of just buying two factions and then um, annoying everyone around me. Like, hey, do you want to give it a try? Do you want to give it a try? For some I probably should have been more afraid of this, but... No, I just get overexcited. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And so I think you just have to be a bit honest about about it, about yourself. Like, uh, is it something you will enjoy or not? And try to, to think about how you um, invest yourself in this. But yeah, and I think really as, as, as soon as you have two people interested in it and playing it, then everyone else around can see, oh, there is an active group of two but it's a group of people playing this game and so from now on if i decide hey maybe i give it a try well at least i have these two people that are actively playing the game and so if you are interested in a, in a game like this i think finding those people and basically forming a group with them is a very very important step in your journey and this is where I keep kind of falling back down again, actually, is there's obviously me with tons of armies, tons of enthusiasm for Kings of War, finding that other person who's willing to actually commit financially and effort-wise has been really, really tough. And so it is still me. At times, I've kind of had a couple of people in, but it hasn't really worked and, you know, they've fallen away again. So that that I found really challenging. Um, yeah, I mean, we could... It's it's it sorry. doesn't have, sorry just to, to uh, say one thing on this. I don't think it has to be always the same person, but it, it's more um, kind of to make it visible. Like if you ever decide that you're interested in this game, well, at least you can come to me, and I'm happy to have a game. And I have even an army I can lend you if you're on a play uh, while you're painting your own. You can borrow mine, or while your army is being shipped from the US. I'm happy to uh, lend you my army, like one of my armies, and then we can have games. I think figuring out uh, these kind of contacts or being that person yourself, if there's no one else around you that does this, is a very important um, element in uh, you know, getting the motivation and, and uh, the occasions to play later as well. 100%, buddy. We haven't got this in the notes, but one thing actually I'd really like to talk about, because I think it's super important, is the basis Right, so obviously right. Kings of War uses multi bases. You don't need to worry about having the exact number of models, right? And um, when I started with Kings of War, as you know, Clem, I was pretty obsessed with the idea of individually basing all of the models because I was like, oh, what if I want to change from a horde to a regiment? Well, 
in hindsight, well, you just put the two regiments next to each other. And if you really, really want right. to, you could theoretically glue them together, but you don't need to. So getting, um, you know, there's loads of laser-cutting services where pretty cheaply, right, they'll laser-cut you some MDF, the right size bases. That's really, really important. You can then get some, um, you know, basically magnets, like magnet, um, you know, rollable what would you even call that foil fridge, kind of fridge thing? magnet like fridge magnet yep stick that to the bottom and then you can get as fancy with the basing as you want and actually i think basing is very easy very fun and you can be you know you can keep it simple you can just kind of stick glue and maybe bits of you know cork or maybe bits of foam on there or something like that and give it a painting and dry brush it it'll look nice and that's a that's a ton of work to do, right? In terms of like just getting your army ready and yeah, you know, it's quick, it's easy, it's you know very difficult to go wrong with that stuff. So and I think that's really important when you're doing your first army to get all that stuff done. So I, I'm not hundred percent sure I agree here, um, but that's because I've been kind of reluctant to directly multi base. I really thought hard about it when I was doing my abyssals initially and I thought yeah but I'm not too sure what style of multibases I want to make um, like I don't really have a good idea for a theme for them somehow also I started with Vanguard and so with Vanguard you have the individual base models and True. Uh, the thing that decided me I think is the Sukubai they're, like, they're running and so the only contact to the base is like one foot and I thought this will work if I glue it to a plastic base, but to a multi-base, I'm afraid this will break. And what if I want to use them in a different system and so on? So I, I can understand the... Um, and now I do have an, an army that is multi-based, like my undeads are multi-based, right? But uh, my forces of the abyss, my augurs, my night stalkers are not multi-based. And... Did I ever take the individually based models out of their trays to play in different systems? No, I haven't. So, yeah. Yeah. In, in hindsight, yeah, I probably could have just glued them to a multi-base and be done with it. But And of course yeah. you can 3D print something cool, you know, old right. ruins or something like right. that, so, if you're getting really fancy. Yeah, I think there's tons of super cool projects, super cool options there. Uh, I think it's the strength of the game. Another thing that it allows you if you use multi-base like this is you can start with the bases, like just buy some MDF and maybe put one model on top of it, like with blue tack even, right? And you can already play the game and test out yeah. do you like how this army is playing or not before buying a single model or if you have only painted three of them, well, it kind of sucks, but everyone, if you're kind of in, it's a work in progress, everyone will be like, okay, well, you're getting there, buddy. Like, come to the gaming days with your army that is a work in progress, but at least you can already do something, and it's, um, yeah, you have the full army if you have the bases, the multi-bases, basically. So I think that's a big, uh, there's a big advantage uh, in how to approach it. And, yeah, just not give up too easily on it. Yeah, I mean, I found with my orcs, I mean, I've got roughly, say, say for example, a regiment should have 20 orcs. I've probably got 14, 15 orcs on there. Yeah. I've 3D printed something orky, put it on there. Um, and it's 
it's you know if you have assuming you have access to a 3d printer it's quick it's easy it's relatively cheap and yeah you, you know, can you can buy those those, uh, those uh, basing uh, like uh, small gizmos and and put them on i think for me so because i thought more about it i think one of my issues is i have a hard time seeing an army as a finite project uh, and I know uh, we've done it for the, the half-scale Kings of War stuff. We said, okay, we make a 2,000-point list. Like, day one, you write a list before buying any model, painting anything, or whatever. You write the list, and this is your list forever with this army. Yeah, exactly. And then it's a very well-defined, finite project. You just have to make eight bases, because that's what is in your army. And that's it. Like, whereas... All of my other armies, they're still work in progress. Like my forces are yeah. I have 4,000 points, I think. And I still have some half-painted units because I'm always adding some stuff on top of it, even if I probably will never need my third or fourth hordes of lower abyssals. But I have them, and I started to paint them, and so I'm like, oh, I'll keep building them. So I think maybe, yeah, visualizing, okay, this is the army I want to make, and this is how I'm approaching it, I think maybe makes your life easier to also commit to the multi-base and just do one project at a time. Or like and, this, and it's not something I've ever actually done, right? Because you know me, I just get carried away and run ahead. But um, I think that's probably a good tip. We probably should have said, write your list in Easy Army, 2,000 points, 2,300 points, whatever you want to play or they play locally for you yeah. or, or if you want to go to tournaments probably 2300 would be the, the I think the correct answer now it seems yeah. that's where we've moved to um, so you make your list you get your base your multi bases made Clem maybe disagrees but maybe doesn't so in um, that case if you have a project like this then yes I think multi basing is fine and as I mentioned multi base the advantage is you can test out uh, before you commit too much was just basically almost the empty base, right? Uh, and figure things out. I think I would do more than just 2,200 points. I would do a 1,000 point list, 1,500, 2,200, I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because yeah. 1,000, especially if you're kind of a beginner or if you ever want to play demos with someone, I, I personally find that 1,000 points is already good enough to get a taste of Kings of War with, without it being too big. And it's technically less models to get ready to have a fully painted army. And that feels good. So you're giving yourself milestones and you can play the Absolutely, game as well. Yes. It's not just like, okay, come back in two years when you finish this massive hobby project. Yeah, yeah, something like this. And I think if you approach it from the multi-basing angle... You can buy all of your multi-bases for 2300 and maybe you'll start painting and assembling the units for your 1,000-point list. So some of your games, you'll have some empty multi-bases, some others you'll have... Your army will flesh out over time a bit more. So Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. And, no, I, I think actually that's a really good point, Clem. So... And I think then what we'd probably recommend is, I mean, we've got airbrushes and, and if you're getting into the hobby, I think airbrush is one of the best tools you can use. It's magic. You know, when it when it works properly, it's magic. Yeah. Like 3D printers. Um, yes. But, I, you know, 
fair enough use spray cans if, if you know you don't want to make the commitment to a to an airbrush but i think we'd recommend spray it black maybe zenith or prime it as you were mentioning earlier if you're feeling particularly fancy and then um Clem, do you want to just talk us through kind of your because i think you're you're excellent at this so do you want to just talk us through kind of your principles for approaching this kings of war army for me i know i need to understand how i'm gonna get stuff done if i want to get started because i'm very lazy yeah. i'm very lazy and i don't like losing or failing and I, I do quite often, to be honest, but uh, whenever I can think uh, think a little bit and avoid this, I certainly try to do so. And the story of uh, my first Kings of War army is the Forces of the Abyss. So I got Vanguard models, so it's just a warband, right? Like it's 15, 20 models, maybe. And somehow I came up with a color scheme for them, like, how to, like a technique and what color to use. So I painted them like... Uh, orangey fire right and the flames i paint bright green like a contrast uh, like opposing color and i was really super proud and super happy with the results i was like man i love those models i love this color scheme i don't want to just paint 20 models of them i want to paint 150 and have a full army of them and that's how i i got my first kings of war army painted it's not like, oh, I really... Well, I also, before long time before that, I wanted to play the game, but I didn't know how, and I ended up not doing it. But what really made me fully paint my first uh, Kings of War army is exactly this. Like, first figuring out how I'm going to get stuff done, what colors do I like for those models, what techniques can I use to make my life not too miserable when I have to go through my 5, 10, 12 units... And from there, yes, it becomes very easy. So I don't know, what's your first Kings of War army, Chris? The first Kings of War army I did was... um, So initially I ordered an old High Elf army on eBay I found that was already painted. And I thought, I'd just like to give Kings of War a try. And it was something like €70 for this army. And it never arrived. So luckily (laughs) I got my money back, but it never ever arrived. So then I found myself from this very small commitment just looking on the mantic website oh the northern alliance were new they look cool uh so yeah then i went straight into mega army the smaller army box and you know me i got everything uh and and then it's kind of like okay well now i need to make this work but um I'm the furthest thing away from a procrastinator, right? You know me, I, char- I charge into things without right. really thinking about the consequences, right? That's just, just how, how my brain works or doesn't. Right. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I just go in and get things done. I, you know, I should almost certainly think more about the consequences of things, but I, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, you're the one who posted on the Fanatics group uh, test models are for losers or whatever was it? for cowards for cowards for cowards right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like right that's why I don't do just one test model I do five of them <laughs> and then I write down my strategy strategic painting plan to make it happen fast and once I have my process in mind you, ah, but do you make notes do you honestly make notes I'm messier than that. So I try to make some notes. 
my latest strategy is I actually take pictures. So I um, so we can also discuss about this for paints <laughs> because I think we have a different opinion on paints. <laughs> yeah. But uh, once I find my uh, technique and like a, a assembly of colors, I would put my seven or eight paint pots on the table next to a model and take a picture of them and maybe in, in chronological order of uh, which color goes first and so on. And then I can go through my older pictures and see, oh, uh, Forces of the Abyss, oh yeah, I need that orange, I need that yellow, that red, and then it's this red, this green, and this blue, and whatever, this is the gold color that I was using, and I know if I need to paint another unit six months later, two years later, I know more or less how I can do this. But I think that's an yeah. excellent idea. Photos, yeah. Notes, I just yeah. I, I'm I'm too lazy for this. Like um yeah, not the good kind of lazy on that front. But uh, but also it's you know you're talking about a very visual thing and notes aren't particularly visual. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know you don't typically mix paints, which makes it maybe a little bit easier to take notes. But yeah. still, I think photos is just the way to go. That just makes sense to me. Yeah, because the notes, I, I turns out sometimes I didn't take notes uh, or I lost my paper where I made all these notes. Or you got paint on your notes. <laughs> yeah, or for my bolt action army uh, back in the day, I found uh, like you know a coloring uh, um, picture of an actual soldier, like for you know something for kids or whatever, and I printed this like in uh, four per page and two pages like this, and I did you know step one and painted it all of this and then step two i did the same plus what is step two on top of that and then you know like we really a step-by-step wow. guide for yeah. myself um and i've never done it again for any other army yeah. since then yeah. but yeah so anyway back to the back to the topic of how do you paint the kings of War army i think for me figuring out um your strategy for it like your color scheme for example my ogres so what's the story behind my ogres we were playing Vanguard. Um, I was winning too many games in Vanguard. And I looked at the factions and discussed with the other players which faction looks the looks like it's the worst. And uh, we thought, hmm, ogres look like shit. And I thought, okay, I'm going to... I also like the Mantic ogres. Let me buy just a box of wires or whatever, like a you know, small warband scale of ogres. Um, and then playing around with colors. Well, I want to do a yellow armor for some reason and like a blue, like a wolf blue uh, skin because I don't like the red skin ogres, uh, like the official color scheme. And uh, that, that was my warband and was super fun. I liked the color scheme. I liked the models. So I ended up buying a mega army pretty quickly because like eh, I also want that kind of model and that kind of model. Well, they're all so in Glenn, the big you've army. you've got the, the exact opposite problem that I'm anticipating a lot of new players have, where they start painting it and get disheartened, whereas you're painting five models and going, okay, I, I need a whole Kings of War army because this is awesome painting this. So I'm talking about the armies that ended up existing, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So that, that's, that's the thing. Like, I also have some Varengers that never got to completion. I have some goblins that never got to completion. I have some Triton realms that never evolved past uh, Warband. Yeah, I have uh, Forces of Nature. I have plenty of, you know, like I buy one small box. I look at the models, I assemble them. I maybe try painting one. 
did I enjoy that? No. Okay, that's going to go back on the shelf and maybe one day I'll revisit it. But that's not what I want to do now. And I'll buy another nice. one and see if I like it better. And nice. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a hobby, right? Like if you're not having fun with it, it means you need to do something else. So I don't yeah, know. I, that's, fair. I th- that's fair. I think buying one mega army is not that much of a commitment. Uh, sure, it is a decent amount of money. But if you turns out you don't like whatever Northern Alliance and you bought a mega army, you'll find someone who will buy it from you, right? Like just yeah. throw it back on eBay or wherever, like within your gaming group, and you'll you'll sell it. And so yeah, or 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 even maybe don't buy a mega army if you know if money's tight. Maybe buy a smaller box, a smaller commitment. Yeah, and just do exactly the same thing, but it's less of a commitment. I mean, that's my strategy. Um, worked sort of okay for me so far. I, I guess everyone's different in that aspect. I, I mean, your approach is completely valid as well. It's just I I couldn't do this myself that's not how i operate but i'm not saying my approach is better than yours absolutely not so just figure that's out not, something that i mean no, no no that's not my approach my approach is just to buy all the toys and then somehow make it work that's the, <laughs> and somehow the magic if you happens. can call that an approach <laughs> not just going oh give me all the models yeah um super and then and blimey yeah I, i'm conscious of the time so clem what do you think so probably about four paints four colors would you say people should kind of get down yeah so four colors or as little as you can get away with is is a good amount uh always do less than you think initially uh i personally these days when i start a new project will as we explained already earlier today prime black some white primer from above to kind of highlight uh like uh, give some light on the model and then contrast or like transparent uh, paints because it's one layer and it's done and so choose a yeah two three four maybe five colors or maybe I think on many models I have like four contrast colors plus one metallic color and that's plenty right and just just do this and, and go to town with it and um, yeah maybe you will start with uh, three colors plus metallic and your model is almost done like you could play with it and never revisit it or maybe later you said nah you know what maybe i'll also paint the boots or like you mentioned oh maybe i will paint the teeth on the models and they they will look cooler and you just do that later uh, but yeah don't do it from day one that's uh, that's yeah yeah i would say as well just one little tip is if you have the ability to leave your stuff out to have a little hobby space even if it's right. just like a you know little tiny table somewhere, that makes a huge difference because if you can just dip in and do 15 minutes of painting or hobby when you right. have the time, that that all adds up really really quick, right? And also, I think you really feel commit, you know, you feel connected to your project because it's yeah. kind of little and often. If you have to spend 20 minutes getting everything ready before you do any hobby and 20 minutes putting everything away again, unfortunately, you're not. You, you, it will not, not happen. Often going to yeah, do it. Right? It's just it's going to feel you. You're going to be ah. Oh, I've had a long day. I, I honestly can't be bothered. It's going to be very challenging. Yeah, I agree. I think the other big supports to get something done is uh, when you actually need it. 
and so what I would do is uh, just organize a tournament or organize like sign up for a tournament or sign up for a gaming day or ask one of your friends hey let's play in three weeks or whatever and then you know in three weeks you have a game coming up and suddenly so you've got a deadline you have to be ready for yeah in a way it's not just a deadline like I mean I have those at work already I don't need more of those <laughs> but I have something exciting to look forward to and I, then I can think okay in three weeks I see that friends to play this game wouldn't it be better if I have slightly more paint on my models when I show up you know uh, that's a nice way and, and so yeah. it's not a deadline yeah, yeah. it's not a deadline it's a good reason to get excited about okay I'm gonna spend that evening instead of fucking on my phone or watching a movie or something maybe I'll listen to a podcast or some music and I'll get you know 10 of those guys done and, and thank you for listening to this podcast dear listener <laughs> thank you for staying with us for so long you've almost made it to the end sorry Clem by now it's three hordes of goblins that are done <laughs> We've finally we've dropped the f bomb. Oh. <laughs> no worries. We've unto- we've unticked the box. We are not family friendly anymore. Yeah, we that's it. You know, that's life. I, we lived the dream, but we just couldn't live up to it. Um, cool. No, that's. I think that's a good. That's a good tip. Again, you know, we've talked about it before, but things don't have to be perfect. They just have to look good from six feet away, maybe two feet away. Yep. I mean, it's cliche, but uh, any paint is always better than no paint. 100%. Um, yeah, 100%. And it's super cool, particularly in Kings of War, when we know it's a lot of work. When someone else has obviously made an effort. It doesn't have to be the best army in the world, but hey, that's great. You've made an effort. That's that's cool, right? Yeah, and it's also not the end of the world. Like, uh, once you do one army, you'll probably want to make a second one and a third one and so on. And so don't try to make it perfect from day one. Just get something through the door and like done is better than good in I think the mass, vast majority of cases. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. If you try yeah. to paint and at that point you can just get playing the game and having fun. Yeah, if you try paint box art from day one, you will have a bad time because you'll just compare yourself to professionals who have been doing this for like twelve, fifteen, twenty years and you're just getting started so obviously they're doing it better than you are they probably also have more time than you do to get the model painted so just just don't do that just uh just have a good time painting your models and um yeah i think that's uh that's it 100 percent. and the, the last the last twists obviously a good way to get started with kings of war easily is uh, do it in, in 10 millimeter scale because it's a much less model, like surface of model to paint. Uh, so, if you're afraid by uh, tons of twenty-eight millimeter models, look at uh, half the size, and uh, it's it is smaller, less paint, uh, easier to store. Uh, join us; it's fun. Yeah, it is really fun. Yeah, fantastic, cool. So we've got roughly five minutes left, Clem. I think. Is it, have you got any final points to make on that? Getting into Kings of War? Nope. I think. Um, I think that's it. Get a demo game. Uh, just get started and have fun. And come and join us. Absolutely. Yeah. Hundred percent. Cool. Um, fantastic. So, listener questions is our next segment. Uh, all we had was Steve Hill drew. Uh, basically giving me a rough time about the sound quality of my mic last episode. Uh, Yeah, no, uh, I was just incompetent and too excited to get recording and I didn't check things properly. So 
Uh, hopefully this month sounds better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quite confidently say I think I checked things and I think it's all working as it as intended. So this month should sound a lot better. But, you know, hopefully we're getting there, buddy. We're on episode four. I think we're making... Uh, one of the big differences is I'm making a real effort not to interrupt you so much. And I th- <laughs> Yes, I good. hope you felt the difference today. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I was talking a lot. Anyway, shut up, Clem. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, just kidding. Go. Uh, but yeah, um, nice. So um, let's get up to... So next month and conclusions is the, is the next section. So, yes, if anyone wants to record us a, a theme song, please do and send it in to us. Podcast at gmail.com. Clem finds it weird, but, you know, I'm going to keep asking. Do it. I actually very much enjoy our music, but uh, it's not really... It doesn't really fit... I mean, it's a retro video game podcast soundtrack, isn't it? But it, but it's cool. I like it. But, but I tell you what, Clem, have a look in the free music archive... Type in the world, you know, fantasy or sci-fi and listen to how terrible the music is. You you know, seriously, I made the right decision. I think I listened to about 30 horrible, ear-bleeding songs before I just went, I'll sort of, I'll, tr- I'll try a different tact. And I found that one and was like, right, that's that actually sounds nice to my ears. So we're going with that one. You've seen my bass. I could maybe come up with something, but... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave no, that open seriously. for for listeners to... Uh... Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's. See. I was playing smoke, smoke over water. Yep. The only bass line I know how to play. That's and it's a good one. Extremely easily, obviously. Um, cool. So, um, yeah, join us on our Facebook page, Mantic Universe Podcast. I, you know, we've got a few people on there, but you know, it'd be lovely if people came and join us. Well, well, Clem, please post more pictures up on there, particularly oh, yeah. about from Berlin. Right. Yep. And. Um, yeah, so, yeah, just to wrap up the show, if you're not aware, I'm sure if you listen to this, you know, Countercharge is an amazing podcast. They specialise in um, Kings of War, but they've just literally the last couple of days had their first firefight, firefight episode. It was really, really good, and they're going to be doing roughly one of those a month, so definitely check that out. That was excellent. Um, there's also, obviously, the Dead Zone podcast and they've been um, lovely to us. They've been really, really helpful. Um, and they're just the nicest people. And that's a great podcast. Um, Clem mentioned earlier terrain, gamemap.eu. Um, I've ordered some firefight terrain. When it arrives, I'll definitely um, post pictures up on the on the Facebook. It's amazing stuff. Like, seriously, it's super, super cool. One, and I'm moving very quickly through, I know. Um, one YouTube channel I've found, which is excellent for Kings of War and for Firefight, is out of Australia. They're called the Creaky Gamers. And they've basically solved problems with Kings of War battle reports I didn't even know existed. So, Clem, check that out. Creaky Gamers I on will. YouTube. They're brilliant really entertaining but very very professionally made and they've got you know the classic aussie sense of humor they're really funny guys but honestly you'll be really blown away by the quality um now we've run out of time to talk about it um clem we're working on a secret project which i think is going to remain secret for another another month but I, i think actually i'm really excited by it and i think it's really really cool um i hope you know what i'm referring to you want to keep it secret? I mean, we talked about it in this show. Like, why not just throw it out there and be done with it? 
and then we'll talk more just about it. Just a question of time. time. So we're working. <laughs> so we're working on uh, just having somewhere that the community can submit their own custom scenarios for the different Mantic games, and then we were thinking maybe uh, the community can vote on them, and you know, say it was this fun. Is this cool? And then we just we'll just have a repository for people to to find fun custom scenarios. Maybe we'll split it between narrative and competitive. Who knows? I mean, we can do whatever we want. Um, we have actually had Mantic say yes, it's okay, you do this. Um, but uh, I'm just really excited. I think this is really cool. I think custom scenarios for the Mantic games is is a really exciting thing that. Um, yeah, I'm happy if we can kind of facilitate this. I think it will bring uh, something to the games. Scenarios that are in rule books are already excellent, but I'm sure we can come up with uh, even more cool scenarios and kind of in the support of what we've been discussing earlier, like uh, creating cooler narratives for your games, uh, like um, newer situations and so on. Coming up with your own scenarios, I think, is a pretty good way to do this. And so what we want to do is work on it on our own, but also include you guys uh, in this effort, like share those scenarios, like uh, drafts, and uh, refine them and share them and uh, build cool stuff together. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. So Clem and I, we're we're going to try and come up with the tools to help us to kind of standardize this. It's going to be, you know, it's mostly me doing this, so it's going to be, you know, not the most professional thing in the world. But as long as it works, right, to get us started. Um, and I think Clem and I will come up with some of our own scenarios just to get the ball rolling and then we really will encourage everyone to try and send in if you've got some ideas you know maybe you've been playing custom scenarios for years I just encourage everyone to get involved because I think it's really exciting and gives the community something we just don't have currently and I think it's in a space that we really want to improve on absolutely cool right we're out of time Clem anything else to say before we finish